This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's about to release the Snyder Cut. You've been clamoring for it, some of you. Some of you, the internet. The collective internet. The entirety been, of the internet. You call it clamoring, I call it bullying. Both. A little of this, a little of that. But hey, if you're loud enough, you get what you want sometimes. <laughs> the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky wheel gets the Snyder Cut. There it is. We've talked Justice League in the past. We have. Uh, in episode 92, I believe. So that's not terribly long ago, but it wasn't that long, eh, long enough. I liked it. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was it was pretty okay. All right. <laughs> you know, I wasn't in love with it. I didn't need to watch it again. But, but now but, you have. But here we are. The Snyder Cut comes in at a cool four hours and three minutes. Oh, that's it? That's it. Neat. It is pretty neat. What did you think of this? And think about your okayness of the last one compared to just this, or if you want to maybe give a quick review of it as a whole, as its own independent thing, however you want to give your thoughts. It is markedly better than the original theatrical release. Yeah, and that's putting it lightly. I don't even mind that it's four hours long most of the time. Uh, That's pretty fair. (laughs) Like, for two hours of it, I don't mind that it's four hours long. You know, like, so for a full movie's worth... Of not minding it, you don't mind the other movie's worth yeah. of content yeah. that was given to us. I'm not even sure that it's like the two hours that I wasn't like, hey, this is fine. I More just like it was two hours of like, wow, this is long. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I have to ask you, what did you think of it, Dave? I loved it. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's not surprising at all. No, I feel like I usually have to go to bat for DC movies. And in this one- I don't have to go to bat for it, I don't think. I don't know that you have to. I feel like you- I you, choose to. You choose to. Because I like them. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah, but this one- It's allowed. I loved. I absolutely loved it. It is four hours, and me and you watched this one here in the Fortress, yeah. and after the movie, you, direct quote, said, that didn't even feel like four hours. It didn't. It didn't. usually a pretty good sign. Yeah. I did not get off that couch all four hours. No, we, you I mean, didn't. We took a couple breaks. I took I, some bathroom breaks. I didn't move. I, I pee a lot. I'm, I was like, I'm noticing that. It's like I gotta, I gotta sit here. I, I need to keep watching this thing. I mean, you had three quarters of a bottle of scotch too, and weren't even drunk because the movie's so damn the long. Movie's <laughs> so long, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize we had that much. Yeah, we had quite a bit. Neat. The Snyder Cut exists because Warner Brothers is a thing. Yes. Simple as that. Let's wait to get into the movie because we should kind of fill in the backstory. Of Absolutely. Why it is a thing. Zack Snyder made. Justice League. This is kind of the third movie of his Snyder verse, if you will. Yeah. Because there was obviously Man of Steel, then Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Martha, and then this. And there's supposed to be two other Justice League movies. Right. He purposely designs Batman v Superman to be incredibly dark. And it is incredibly dark Absolutely. through and through. And then he said the Justice League movies, he's going to kind of open them up and make them a little more lighthearted. But he's kind of telling a story tonally, if you will. Yeah. So he makes this Justice League movie. Now, I've read a couple different stories about what actually happened here, because 
We do know that Zack Snyder did leave the project eventually due to the death of his daughter. Mm -hmm. But before that even, the movie tested and it did not test well. Even though one of the stories I read is that they ended up getting picture lock, which is insane, and then bringing on Joss Whedon. Really? And then Joss Whedon was brought on to just write. Okay. And then he eventually started doing additional photography. Yeah. If you have Joss Whedon, use him, right? I guess. I, I guess so. And then Snyder's daughter commits suicide, unfortunately. So he starts to take a step back, but really forces himself kind of into the movie even deeper to get by. And then eventually says, right. like, I can't do this. Yeah. And he was really just bowing to the studio and bowing to Whedon, saying, like, I shouldn't be okay with this. I'm not going to challenge it because I'm not emotionally capable right. of doing that right, right. now. Exactly. So him and his wife stepped away. He still gets directorial credit on 2017's Justice League. Right. Though. Joss Whedon. Ends up reshooting 90% of the movie with 80 additional pages of script. That's insane. It's a different movie. Oh, yeah. Entirely. Wow. To a point. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> he makes it, though, that it's more lighthearted. Absolutely. I and mean, that's what Joss does. I mean, look at Avengers and Age of Ultron. Age, Age of Ultron should be a very dark movie and just isn't. It doesn't. And that's why Age of Ultron, a lot of people say, doesn't work in a lot of spots. It doesn't land as well as the other movies. So once the Justice League film goes into testings, First screening, not great. Does right. not go well. Next screening, test screening, scores as high as Wonder Woman did. Really? In its test screening <laughs> to kind of show you just how divided people are on DC movies as a whole at yeah. that point where it doesn't score well one way and then it scores as high as one of DC's most critically acclaimed movies yeah. gets. Yeah. So it's one of those like, what is Justice League? And then it comes out and gets... Just torn apart. Lukewarm at the absolute best. Yeah, lukewarm is probably generous for what that movie received as far as criticism. Right, and then people instantly started demanding the Snyder Cut. People were demanding the Snyder Cut before it even released. Were they? Before the the Whedon Cut came out, people were already like, no, just give us the Snyder Cut. Which is interesting because people love Whedon. Right. Loved Whedon. Loved. Whedon's a bad man. We're learning that. Yeah, slowly over time, more and more people are like, hey, that Joss Whedon fella. Yeah, nope. and it's thanks to people who speak out. Yeah. Like people on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and like Ray Fisher. Right. But then for years, Warner Brothers kind of said, like, we're never going to have the Snyder Cut. We're never going to do it. Uh, there was a lot of industry insiders who were like, they won't do it. There's no reason to do it. And then AT&T swoops in. And AT&T <laughs> says, you're going to do it. Oh, you mean you have this thing that's already pre-hyped by the internet? We're not going to have to spend a lot on advertising? We just have to finish the movie and it's going to bring subscribers to HBO Max? Yeah, we're going to release it. Right, and we're going to get there, but we're going to release that. <laughs> I want to talk about that later. So Snyder goes into production again on this movie, uh, I want to say like April 2020. Yeah. And then in May 2020, he makes the official announcement like, it's coming, HBO Max, March, it's coming. Yeah. And he ends up in October of 2020 reshooting some things, kind of. Filling in some of the gaps to make the film work. Yeah. And not a lot of stuff. No, he didn't have to do a lot of stuff. The movie was done. And right. even on the internet, he was putting on his own Twitter like reels of the Snyder Cut. Yeah. And everyone's like, it does exist. Like, yeah. this is very exciting. Yeah. He has a, a Vero account that he's very active on. And he was sharing things long before anybody confirmed that it was coming out. He was sharing scenes and, and like talking about things that would have happened. And then by the time this movie came out, a lot of people already knew exactly what was going to be in it. Which is amazing to me. Yeah. But now we have two separate versions of the same film. Yes. In a lot of ways. And they're very different in a lot of ways. They are vastly different in a lot of ways. And they're kind of similar in, in quite a few ways. In a few. And I think the 10% of the Zack Snyder stuff that is in the Whedon cut kind of attributes to that. Yeah. 
This is a long movie. It is. Strap in. Strap in. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot more to say on the production after we go through yeah. this movie. There's so much. This one's going to be a long one. It is. Let's get into it. Let's do it. We start out in true Zack Snyder fashion in the slowest of slow motion sequences. We're watching Superman, played by Henry Cavill, yell as he gets murdered at the end of Batman vs. Superman. Just yelling. Just, just being loud. Just so loud. Everyone's hearing it. And the shockwaves of his super scream are echoing around the globe, and we see the slow motion reactions of all the key characters. Right, which is important. The instant that Superman dies, Cyborg, played by Ray Fisher, notices the MacGuffin cube in his closet acting up. A similar box in Atlantis does the same. And finally, in Themyscira, a third box acts funny too. Right, the boxes are getting funny. All the MacGuffin cubes are doing weird stuff. Right? Getting the, real super, glowy. Superman is dead, and the cube said, I'm going to wake up now. With the opening credits still rolling, we're nine minutes in now. Uh, Zach is not in a rush. He's not. He's got four hours to play with. He's like, yeah, I can, I can make Whatever. this last as long as <laughs> right. I want it to because it's not going to be in theaters. I don't have to worry have about Have a great time. time. That's another reason why Warner Brothers cut the thing down because apparently they mandated a time for it because yeah. they don't understand what creativity is. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, played, of course, by Ben Affleck. You know what? He doesn't always deserve it, but I'm going to give it to him. Ben fucking Affleck. Absolutely Ben fucking Affleck. And actually, I would like to retroactively add a fucking to Ray fucking Fisher. He deserves a few, because he's about to do a lot of heavy lifting he in this is movie. Gonna, oh, man, is he. Bruce Wayne traverses the snowy mountaintop terrain of Iceland, looking for a small fishing village, and more importantly, Arthur Curry, played by Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Right, and this officially would be our introduction into Arthur Curry, as we know him within the DCEU. Exactly. Because this does take place before Aquaman. They left it so it took place in its proper spot. Right. He didn't try to retcon anything in this movie to make it line up with the Aquaman movie. Didn't do it at all. He kept it very true to what his version of Under yes. the Sea looked like. Yes. And what his version of Arthur Curry looked like. Right. And we'll get there. We are certainly going to get there. Part one, don't count on it, Batman. We should say this movie is broken up into six parts. Six parts and an epilogue. So if you need to pause and go to the bathroom while listening to this thing, you got time. We've worked in the breaks for you. <laughs> Bruce finds the Aquaman in a tavern and warns him of an incoming threat and tells Arthur that he's building an alliance and wants Aquaman to join him. But Arthur's a loner, Dottie. A rebel. That's right. That's the 10% I used from the last time we did this movie. I love it. <laughs> but in this version, he says, fuck. Aquaman. Yeah, which is awesome. It's great. It's cool whenever Jason Momoa swears. We got an R rating. Why don't we use those f Lean in. Aquaman refuses, steps into the harbor, and swims away while the Icelandic women sing. Which was weird. And one of them's like, I got to sniff his sweater. That was weirder, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> the song lasts a long time. You got time, man. I, yeah, I mean, you say you got time. This was a choice. Well, everything in this movie is a choice. Literally, it's all choices because there were no constraints. He's, they were like, have a blast. The original Snyder Cut was only three and a half hours. He added a half hour in yeah. here just, just because. Streaming, man. Lean in. Lean in. Superman's death has left the world in mourning. The bank has foreclosed on the Kent farm, forcing out Martha Kent, played by Diane Lane. And even Lois Lane, Amy Adams, can't bring herself to go back to writing hard-hitting news. This is actually one of the things that I was upset about that was in the weeding cut that's not in the Snyder Cut, and I was really hoping it was the Snyder Cut. And that's the opening credits of the weeding cut 
how you see the black flag with the Superman S all over the world, and it makes it feel like a global thing. Yeah, yeah. And I really, really like that. We get a little bit of it, but not- You only get one shot, and it's on Tower Bridge in London, where it's like, London's part of the world. London is part of the world. Well, sometimes you can't be sure what is and what isn't, because- That's a very good point. DC. We also know that Manhattan is apparently part of the DC universe because it's on the cover of the Daily Bugle yes, as somebody it is. drops it <laughs> while Lois is walking by on her normal morning activities. Now that she's not working, she goes and she gets coffee and she visits the Superman Memorial in Metropolis every morning. Yeah, and she delivers coffee to the police officer. Do you know who that police officer is? Jimmy fucking Olsen. Isn't that amazing? From the Superman 1978. So That's good. That's so good. So good. Speaking of London. A team of robbers stage a heist in a bank, holding the bank's customers and the entire field trip's worth of youngins as, as hostages. Yep. Just going in there, and well, we're not actually looking to hold hostages for any kind of ransom or anything. We got a whole plot, like like we're, like we're Fight Club, <laughs> like we're Project Mayhem. We're going to blow up a bank. We're here to blow up four city blocks and reset the financial system back to the dark ages. Yeah, I have a couple questions about this. These children. Yeah. They're on a field trip to the bank. Yep. Okay. Right. But at least you got McDonald's lunch out of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's and they like... had just built a new play place then, too. Oh, Kicked ass. Yeah. Going to a bank, though. I can't imagine what's exciting about that. Lollipops. Is that the best you got? That's the best you're getting. <laughs> Go the... to a doctor if you want lollipops. Maybe you'll get to see the vault. I don't know. Very weird. That seems exciting if you're a kid. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Luckily, Wonder Woman, played by Gal fucking Gadot, is standing on top of the statue of Themis, solidifying that this movie does not take place in the same universe as V for Vendetta. Solidified. Completely <laughs> solid. We got it. Wonder Woman takes out a bunch of these terrorists and, and throws the bomb in the air as it explodes. It's great. It is great. I love how you do get the Wonder Woman quick burst speed. Yes. I love that so much. Pretty neat. What I really appreciate is that we get her theme music. Oh, from God. her movie. When it hits, it hits oh. so hard and it's so good. On rewatching, they they overdo this weird Amazon theme that she has. Every time she's on screen, it's like this chanting. And yeah, it yeah. is. It's a bit much. But, but then, yeah, oh, that fixes it every that time. That is so high up on my list, it's ridiculous. Same. But I also love whenever she throws the bomb out, like she jumps up to the roof and throws the bomb. You get the classic Zack Snyder object in slow motion of course which is just gold i mean half this movie has been in slow motion already so oh yeah this movie why would you stop really only there? 90 minutes long and he's like <laughs> you're saying i have infinite time okay oh i'm gonna get real <laughs> slow with some of these motions it's kind of like 300 <laughs> it's only 15 minutes long right <laughs> wonder woman throwing that bomb in the air makes the main terrorist guy just real mad so he goes to shoot all the hostages including the youngins but Wonder Woman shows up just in time and deflects all of the bullets with her gauntlets. It's awesome. It's very cool. Then she does the Wakandan salute with her gauntlets and sends Tyler Durden flying out into the street. Right. So instead of destroying four blocks yep. worth of things with a bomb, yep. she just destroys she just one bank. blew up the- The f- bank that the- did not need to be destroyed. Right. She chose to eject this man through the wall. Yeah. I'm going to throw this bomb into the air, and then I'm going to blow up this whole wall <laughs> with my gauntlets. It's very cool, extremely unnecessary. <laughs> extremely unnecessary and probably counterintuitive. Yes, but here we are. A little girl giving off strong Donna Troy vibes asks if she could be like Wonder Woman someday. Wonder Woman says, you could be anything you want, but with an Israeli accent, which I can't do. Right, right, exactly that. So, 
there you go. It's a wonderful little bit of sentiment, and I like it, and I understand how heavy-handed it actually is, <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, sometimes it's all right to be heavy-handed. If you're trying to build a universe, if you're trying to shoehorn a universe into your re- reboot that you get to make, this one shot you got, might as well set some stuff up so WB goes, well, maybe, maybe we do. We'll get there. We'll get there. Shoehorn's a funny word. <laughs> we will get there. Back at Thymascara, Queen Hippolyta, played by Connie Nielsen, goes to check on the MacGuffin box. Right. Which waits for her to say a line like, it doesn't sleep, it waits, before all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it's got its own cues that it needs to go off of. It's like a stage play. It's exactly. Waiting. It's like, oh. On its mark, waiting. Oh, that, did she say the line? All right, I got I got it. <laughs> That was actually a really good impression of the sound it I makes. I appreciate that. <laughs> I will be this episode's Michael Winslow. I love it. You're welcome in advance. A beam comes down from the sky. Pew. A boom tube? Yeah. We got a boom tube. And a swarm of parademons descend with their leader, Steppenwolf. I want to say boom tube is so damn cool looking. It, it really is. It's so effective, too, because sometimes you see the boom tube come down and things come out of it right away. Yeah. And sometimes it just waits, Ugh. and I just absolutely love the way they use it. The suspense. It's so good. I hope it lasts. <laughs> Don't you wonk of my movie. <laughs> Don't do it. Why? You're right. <laughs> Even though this like... movie is like a reverse wonka through and through. A reverse wonka It's like we have, we have not a lot to do and plenty of time to do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's true. We should mention Steppenwolf, voiced by Kieran Hines. And I don't know if he also did the the CGI face work, but man, this Steppenwolf looks way different from the theatrical This cut. Steppenwolf looks very cool. He's imposing as hell. Yeah, he's got that shiny armor oh. that has like these weird motorized things that come out of it, like Flaps. spikes and stuff. So it's like alive. It's like with he's him. adjusting his aerodynamics mid-flight all the right. time. He's like a Porsche that's driving yeah. real fast, where eventually the wing pops out, and you're like, why? automatic wing pop out why what why not what down force do you need <laughs> when you're driving the speed limit i don't understand yeah well this is unnecessary that's the challenge driving the speed limit in a porsche i've seen super troopers i know how hard it is <laughs> he's also got this cool iridescent paint jobs that's some kind of shiny purple sometimes it is sometimes not i like it it's, he looks like a like a really cool metal oil slick that's a very good way to put it <laughs> so much better than the last steppenwolf Oh, big like time. miles better. Just looks like an old guy wearing horns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just not threatening at all. This one, very threatening, big very time. imposing. He tries to take the box, but the Amazons fight back, piling onto him, and Hippolyta runs off with the box. Then we get a chase scene where Steppenwolf and his parademons go after Hippolyta while she and the other Amazons play keep away. It's cute, to put it lightly. He's very cute for action. He is amazing. He's jumping insane distances and throwing horses. Yeah. And we're like, all right, this guy fucks. This guy fucks so hard. (laughs) I like how they establish what he can do immediately. Giant open space of just like, maybe maybe we shouldn't fuck with this guy. Maybe just give him the one. You want to just give it to him? Maybe just give him the one. Let the the Atlanteans (laughs) fight him. Right. Just maybe he can't swim. That would be ideal. He winds up crushing one of the warrior women with a horse. Which is insane. Yeah. Because Queen Hippolyta goes over to this lady, and she's like, 
you got a horse on you. <laughs> and she like leans down like, I'm so sorry you got this horse on you. Hey, and then all the other You got Amazon weasels on your face. <laughs> come to her. Not cool to drop weird out here. <laughs> all the other Amazon women come over the hill like they're about to raid Helm's Deep. Yeah. And then they start riding by. And this woman's just under a horse still. Yeah. And no one is stopping to help. These incredibly strong women are just like, my only weakness is lifting a horse. Gotta, I, I don't know. Got to get that box. Right. From she got the, wallflower. From the big man. Bringing down the horse and- no one's going to help. Careful with Wallflower. <laughs> Ezra Miller is in this movie. That's a very good point. <laughs> Steppenwolf retrieves the box while Hippolyta is tending to the woman buried under the horse. Right. And then he boom tubes the fuck out. And it's awesome. He's like, all right, got what I needed. Later. Hippolyta then tells her general that they must ignite a fire in a temple because Diana will know what that means. So they do that. Sure. Part two, the age of heroes. Steppenwolf sets up shop in a nuclear plant that had a whoopsie daisy. <laughs> a good old fashioned nuclear meltdown whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Probably in Russia. That's where that kind of thing happens. That's what they said it was, eventually. Eventually. Your first thought might be Ukraine, but no, it's not Chernobyl. Right. They finally gave Ukraine a break. Yeah. Like, all right, let's let one meltdown happen in Russia. He tells his parademons to go find the other two mother boxes. They have a name now. We know what the MacGuffin boxes are called. So they can form the Unity, and somebody. We'll be pleased with him. We don't know who yet. We don't know who yet. But somebody be very pleased that he's forming the unity. Exactly. Bruce is chatting with Alfred. Jeremy fucking irons. Give a few more fuckings in there. Oh this my... might be the best Alfred. God, he's so good. He legit challenges Michael Goff so hard. He really does. I don't know what Jeremy Irons did to Joss Whedon to have all of his snark cut, but come on, man. Such a good Alfred, man. This Alfred good, he does, does things. things. It's amazing. Just repeatedly does things. He's always working on something for Bruce. Which is amazing. It's great. He's, and he's not just bringing sandwiches that are cold or soup that's cold by design right. or whatever it was. It's meant to be cold, sir. He's actually tinkering and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. awesome. And he still finds time to offer tea to everybody who shows up. How hospitable. What a guy. The best Alfred. And he dresses like he fucks. It's true. He kind of dresses like Zack Snyder. He kind of dresses like Zack Snyder, but then <laughs> Zack Snyder also kind of dresses like Mark Strong from like Kingsman. That's like true. That type of look. I'm yeah. just like, I know who I am. Yeah. I fuck real hard. Oh, look at this really nice dress shirt, rolled up sleeves, rolled up with the vest on, and the the shirt is buttoned all the way to the top. What kind of no pants? tie? No, it's jeans. And it's jeans. I kick ass. Yeah. No. I know who I am. It's a it's a good look. It's a real good look. Bruce is chatting with him about assembling his team. And Alfred's like, oh, well, I got this Barry Allen guy from that liquor store video in Central City. You might want to go talk to him. Right. Wasn't that just a quick throwaway thing in BVS? I don't know that it was a throwaway thing because it was still Zack Snyder. It was leaned on heavily, but it was kind of meant to be just like, you got the fast kid, whatever. Oh, yeah, this guy who just suddenly vanishes for a frame of this video. Right. We don't know what his power is. Maybe he teleports. Maybe. I don't know. Bruce is all like, I got to do this for Superman. I, I promised him. Ah. Right? He's got some inner turmoil going he does. on here. He's like, I spent a lot of time going against Superman, and I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. So, Which already is a massively different character. Huge. <laughs> yeah, like, like wh- wh- who is this guy? In Whedon's Justice League, Bruce was an asshole. He was. Like, through and through, yeah. a complete asshole. Just a dick. And here, he's being like a true leader, 
which is wild. Yeah, and he doesn't even have anybody to lead yet. No, he doesn't. He must find the folk to lead. He's like, I have the, the propensity to lead. I need to find followers. Right. He's like, if I had a tops trading card, my leadership's at a 10. <laughs> but I'm just at a pack of one, baby. Yeah. Who's going to buy that? What am I doing with all this Kool-Aid? <laughs> I need somebody to drink it with me. Right, of course. Meanwhile at Star Labs, Silas Stone, played by Joe fucking Morton. I'm giving it to him. He was excellent in this movie. He crushes it. He's leaving the lab for the night, and he's, it's an early night because it's only 1130 at night. And the janitor, who's mopping the grates. Mopping the grates. Which I, <laughs> I lost it when me and Brian were watching this. And I I had tears in my eyes. I had to look away. And Brian's like, what? I'm like, he's mopping the grates. <laughs> I feel like you had the same reaction in the theatrical cut, too. I probably did. It's so ridiculous. It's insane. It's one of those things like, I go to Valvoline to get my oil changed so I don't have to get out of the car. Imagine <laughs> someone mopping that. There's someone underneath it. You don't just have an entire hallway of grate <laughs> with nothing underneath it. That's silly. Right. Someone's going to be underneath, and this man is just mopping away. <laughs> and they're getting soaked. <laughs> the janitor stops mopping the grates for a second to investigate a break-in that he overhears right. in the it's next part room. part of the janitor's duties, yes. I guess. Oh, I, what was that noise? I better go check on that. And he finds a parademon looking for the mother box. That's a sign that your night's going to go awry. It's probably not going to go well. <laughs> I have to imagine it's a lot like a departed situation. Like the parademon hands him a, a cell phone and says, go ahead, call your mother, tell her you won't be home for dinner. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the janitor's like, are you a co-op? <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell me if you're a co-op. It was kind of weird when the parademon wanted cranberry juice. <laughs> I didn't notice at the time, but like putting it together. Yeah. It is weird. Not part of the Viva for Vendetta universe, no. but, but maybe the Departed universe. Maybe. While this is happening, the Amazons are assembled, and they, they're going to shoot a flaming arrow really, really far. I like how she's, like, worshipping this flaming arrow. Yeah, she's, like, raising it up to the sky right, and, like, and talking to saying it. some sort of enchantment. It makes me think that, like, time is not of the essence. No, no, nobody's in a hurry here. Right, if we're still going to follow our traditions or whatever, <laughs> time is not of the essence. Well, man isn't even going to know what this means. This is just a sign for Diana. Right. And She'll like, know. She won't see it till morning, probably, when she watches the news. We'll get there. We will get there. So the the arrow, the flaming arrow, goes a really far away, and then it starts a whole fire tornado inside some monument. It's a sign. It's a sign. Diana does catch it on the news the next morning while she's doing her job at the Louvre. I like how she's dressed looking real good. Right. And she's, like, dusting off the statue, and the one guy's like, what'd you do this weekend, Diana? And she's like, oh, nothing. Didn't do anything. He's like, oh, Diana. Uh, you, you never need to get do out anything. More or whatever. It's like, like, dressed like that. It's like... It's a weird character choice. It is a weird it character choice. It has always choice. bugged me about this Diana. Okay. But then, luckily, the, the MacGuffin News Network is on. Right, right. <laughs> or else you'd I... have no clue how to progress the story. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh boy, does she recognize what that means. She's like, oh, invaders. Silas goes back to work the next morning on account of the break-in. Ryan Choi fills him in on what's going on, played by, by Zeng Kai. Sure, we'll be talking about him again. At some I'm point. sure, or maybe not, or maybe just based on the maybe. fact that this movie, pff, who knows? That's right. The cops think the mother box was stolen, but Silas is like, "Nah, that thing was already missing before last night." Right. See this box here that has a number that we're going to keep repeating. Yep. Empty. I didn't write down the number. I didn't either. I was like, "Cool, <laughs> it's got a number. It's important somehow." Silas reveals to the cops for some reason that they're also doing work on the Superman ship. 
And the cops are like, we got a guy who drew us a sketch of what the intruder looks like. It's basically a wombat with demon wings and glowing eyes. Right. I love when he walks like the cop to the Superman ship. Yeah. And this cop might as well have just been like, I, I didn't ask for this. Right. I didn't ask for any. Why are we doing this? There's something really interesting about this universe where he's just like, yeah, I study alien technology and nobody bats an eye. Because, <laughs> oh, right. of course not. There's been aliens here for years. Right. It's amazing. It is a weird established world that yeah. we're in in this movie. Silas goes home and he tells his brooding son Victor, who is cyborg, that the box isn't safe in their home anymore. Victor, once again, Ray fucking Fisher. Ray fucking Fisher. So good. He is so, so good. He is the heart of this movie. I think he's the main character of this movie. I think that's probably a fair assessment. And I think Joss Whedon is a big old cocksucker. <laughs> For removing the main character from the movie? Mostly because Joss Whedon, along with being a bad filmmaker, and I'm going that far with it at this point. Okay. Also, racist and misogynist. There it is. There's no way to beat around that bush. At this point, Joss Whedon is horrible to women and is a complete fucking racist. Yeah. He did Ray Fisher so dirty. So dirty. Diana goes to investigate the fire tornado. And she finds the arrow. I like how she just walks on this site yeah. and just takes the arrow. And it's like she doesn't have to even show her, like, I'm an archaeologist card or whatever. Well, she snuck past people to get to the arrow. You notice Gal Gadot, I no know, matter right? where she and is. And then, yeah, people were just like, all right, well, I don't know who that lady is walking around with an arrow. Let's just ignore <laughs> her. She's too pretty. I can't talk to her. <laughs> that must be it. She then goes to some sort of underground temple where the arrow unlocks a secret exposition room. Right. Which reveals all about the previous invasion and the Great War, along with the Mother Boxes, the Unity, and Darkseid. I love that. It was really cool. Darkseid. If you're going to have a room dedicated oh to exposition, you might as well you might as well end it with Darkseid. Darkseid on the wall, yeah. He's one of like the ultimate big bads that you could throw into any superhero movie, period. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a biggin. He's a, a massivin. A, a massivin. <laughs> I like that. I love that this movie just raised its own stakes. Yeah, it was like, hey, we made Steppenwolf way more badass, but we're also going to throw like a Thanos-level villain in here too. I think that's an appropriate comparison. It looked The look on your face was like, he might be bigger than Thanos. There's part of it that he is bigger than Thanos, yeah. but there's part of it like, no, that seems appropriate because of what the MCU right. did to Thanos. Right. So it's like, no, oh, that actually adds up. We'll go with that. Aquaman rescues a fisherman that's caught in a storm. And then he brings him to a bar, and he gets himself a whole bottle of whiskey. Right, and then he reenacts the scene in Entourage where he goes down into the dock in the water and engulfs him. Yep. I like it. Yep. He fucking chase. It's great. He throws the empty bottle into the ocean and also his shirt, which is exactly the kind of thing that will make Patrick Wilson so mad in the Aquaman movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When we get there. I like how... Jason Momoa just removes his shirt whenever he gets the chance. I feel like that's that's just his, like, it's his punctuation mark on his performance <laughs> right. in every scene. He's like, we're done here. Can I take my shirt off? Cool. I'm going to jump in this water. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. You know? I mean, flaunt it if you got it, I guess. I guess so. I will never know. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so he heads on down to Atlantis for reasons. And naturally, he's met by Volko, Willem fucking Defoe. It's so good to see him back. It's so nice. Confirmed for Spider-Man 3. I'm just That's my new bit, by the way. I'm going to say that for every character who's ever been in a Spider-Man movie. I'm now going to follow their name with confirmed for Spider-Man 3. Fair enough. 
I can't believe he was in this movie the whole time. And Josh is like, no, don't need Defoe. Get him out of here. That should have been like the ultimate red flag for right. anyone of like, like, this man doesn't know what he's doing. He he's, just cut Defoe. He's cutting Willem? This will not stand. No. <laughs> I would have picketed something. I'm not one to picket. I would have picketed something. <laughs> that makes sense. I would have made a sign. Yeah. And walked in a small circle. With like an inflatable rat or right. something. I like that. I don't know how picketing works. No, that's that's good. That do it right? Yeah. So far, you're off to a good start. What does your sign say? Hell no, gimme Defoe. That's perfect. That's a perfect chant, but what does the sign say? Godspeed, WB. Perfect. That That's chef's kiss. You but I would have like an asterisk. Well, Defoe voice. Right. Godspeed, WB. <laughs> the Willem voice. I would pick it. It's so damn hard. Uh, I would join you. I'm definitely. I would not be crossing that line. No, that absolutely line. not. Nope, nope. Willem Dafoe, or we won't go. Nailed it. Two perfect signs. <laughs> Volko tells Aquaman that he's the rightful king of Atlantis, and he's needed to defend Atlantis's mother box because, well, the people that are there now, not doing an awesome job. No, they're not. And he says, here, take this trident, which clearly has five points on it. Yeah, that, that is definitely a... Uh, a quindent. A quindent. <laughs> yeah. Here, this is your mom's trident. It's right. got five prongs. Like, you know. All good tridents do. <laughs> Maybe it's just branded by the gum brand? I don't know. Maybe. It's a good tie-in. <laughs> I really love the way they do dialogue. Oh, yeah. In the, the underwater the giant stuff. bubbles. Because this, again, is pre-Aquaman. They're not talking underwater. So what they do is they like create their own bubble yeah. underneath and they talk within that and it creates a really cool look around the characters. It is really cool. I feel like I'm remembering, I might be wrong because it's been a while since I've watched Aquaman. Didn't they have bubbles around their just their mouths in Aquaman when they talked? I don't think so I'm, but it's been a long time. I'm picturing that. that and I don't know why. I don't think so. It might be from something else but there's some movie where they just have air bubbles around their mouths when they talk and it's distracting but kind of cool. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire? See, I haven't really watched the Harry Potter movies, but it's possible that that's what I'm thinking of. They do underwater stuff there, and it's been about as long since I've seen that movie. Since right. they, just have, they just have bubbles that kind of <laughs> hang around their mouths? Yeah, sure. All right, maybe. I don't know. This is a big bubble, and they're in it. They're inside awesome. the big bubble, and that's how they talk, and it's cool because all of the rules of the world apply, like gravity, which will come in useful later. Right. But yeah, the guards keep getting snatched by parademons, so there goes the theory that they can't work underwater. Correct. Meanwhile- Back at the in Russia at the nuclear power facility, Steppenwolf calls up Desaad via molten slab with his intergalactic long distance plan. Love it. And he tells him, "Hey, I got one of the mother boxes. I'm gonna collect the other two, and I'm totally gonna claim this world since there's no lanterns or Kryptonian defending it." Correct. So, like, can I come home? <laughs> and Desaad is like, "Oh, oh, sweet, sweet Steppenwolf, you still need to claim like fifty thousand more worlds for Darkseid." Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the stakes there. It's like we don't I, I don't know what you actually put them at because you've just made Earth completely dispensable. Right. Right. This It's just one of 50,000. This is nothing. It's this nothing. Is like, oh, it's just another day for Steppenwolf. He's like, "All right, got to take right. over this world. You keep doing your three box thing or yeah. whatever. Yo, us 50,000 planets. 50,000 worlds. 50,000 worlds for Dark Side. For Dark Side. We never find out what Steppenwolf did to wrong Dark Side. I'm okay with it. Okay. We don't seem to need it. That's why. That's, I, mean, I think yeah. it's one of those things that if you give too much to that character, does he change like the level of imposing that he has? I don't know. You don't really want to soften him in right. any way. And That's I feel true. like you might risk giving sympathy to the henchman here. That's true. That's true. I, I like that you used the word henchman on it. He is a henchman. Yeah. 
which is he was not in the original cut. And here we are. It's nice, right? Feels good saying it. He actually has a purpose, though, for what he's doing, unlike the theatrical version. Like right. He, he's trying to redeem himself. Whereas, oh, the, I didn't say he didn't have any development. He has a ton of oh, no, he's got a ton of development. Yeah. But it's just interesting that, like in the theatrical, he was just oh, evil guy here to take over the world. I'm here. I look big and bad. Give me your boxes. <laughs> I'm an old man with horns on my head. Right. I'm a horny man he looking might for boxes. As well, be like someone going around an office trying to get people to check a box for the Super Bowl at yeah. that point. Like, yeah, hey, you want a box? I'll take a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for three boxes. That's about the threat level he was. Yeah. He would definitely be a Vikings fan, just based on the hat. Without a doubt. Skull. I'm with you, Vikings fans. Could also be a Raiders fan. Because of the hat. Because of the hat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So while all this is happening, Diana goes to see Bruce to deliver the bad news. I love how she just shows up and Bruce goes, you know, I just put like a couple million dollars in security. This She's like, oh, money well worth it. It took me about a minute to get in. <laughs> it must be a pretty good security system because it took me a whole minute. I love it. It's very good. There isn't an attack coming. It's here. It's here. She tells him about the huge war between the forces of Darkseid and an alliance of the old gods, Amazons, Atlanteans, mankind, and even warriors from the stars. Amazing. She explains about the three mother boxes that when brought together would create the unity which destroys planets and reshapes them into the hellscape of dark side's home planet apocalypse apocalypse and that's when i got hard <laughs> no it's not because i got real hard seeing the green lantern flying around trying to help the whole situation there yeah yeah until his hand gets chopped off yeah that's a problem and then, and the, then ring the ring floats up and, and dark side tries yeah. to grab it which was awesome which was really cool but I love that we get to see this war happening. Yeah, it's really cool. And especially with like Zeus and Ares as part of it, because these are characters you don't get to see ever. You will in never DC get to movies. see. And I love how Darkseid, he gets hit. He gets yeah. hit real hard, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, big time. Ares just almost chops his arm off. Yeah, should have gone for the head. Should have gone for the head. It always comes back. It's all these guys flying through the air with their axes that never aim for the they head. They never do. Before the unity could form, the defenders of Earth hold off Darkseid's army, successfully protecting their planet. Hey, we did it. We did it. And now there's three mother boxes and three races. I don't know what to call them. You got the humans. Something like that. The Atlanteans. Atlanteans. And the Amazons. And the Amazons. So let's, uh, let's separate these. Yeah, I guess. And do what we will with them. Just split them up. Uh, the Atlanteans and the Amazons develop elaborate strongholds with guards on duty. And, and mankind just kind of buries they theirs in a, a hole. hole in the woods. <laughs> they go into the woods. And it's not even a six-foot deep hole. It's like nope. a three-foot deep hole. They're like, that's probably good enough. Yeah, no, the aliens can't find this here. <laughs> There's at least three feet of dirt on top of it. Right. Did you bring the sod? You didn't bring the sod? <laughs> That's general sod to you. Oh. <laughs> it's so silly how they do this. It really is. It's one of those things where Diane even says, like, oh, they did it in their own like traditional ways. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the Amazons built a temple to this and to guard it. And the Atlanteans built a temple. With an octopus. And then <laughs> dug a hole. <laughs> it's one of those things, if they like came down and like, where do we look? I don't know. That dirt looks like it's been <laughs> thrown about fairly recently. <laughs> let's start there. I get, yeah. Start, it's not even let's start end there. Let's start there. <laughs> so Diana tells Bruce this whole story about this war. And then she's like, but they're here. We're out of time. And Bruce is like, well, guess we need to assemble this team then, huh? Right. The team that I told everyone we're going to assemble, everyone being the audience. Right. One 
act ago, one part ago. One I don't part know what ago. It is. We need to do it now again. Now again, and now Diana knows about it too. So right. she's part of the team. Perfect. We're up to two. We did it. We doubled our team effort in part two. Look at that. And I love kind of the rallying cry that Diana gives to Batman here, gives to Bruce. How she says, like, the Age of Heroes has to come once again. Hey, hot tub time machine. It is a hot tub time machine, (laughs) but man, does it land. Yeah. I like that every single one of these parts is a hot tub time machine within itself. Which is beautiful. Because Zack Snyder just pulled a line from each each part. One hot tub time machine is never enough in a movie. Hit me all you can. That's why they made a sequel. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen the sequel. I have no plans to. It's- a sequel? It's a sequel. Nailed it. It's as good as you can expect a sequel without John Cusack in it. To be. I forgot he's not in it. Yeah. That's the crazy part. I forgot John what, Cusack what is, is in Hot Tub Time Machine. Then I forgot that he's not in the sequel to Hot Tub Time Machine. I too. don't think he's in the sequel. I could be completely wrong about that. That's that's how Im- impactful that movie was. Fair enough. Part three. Beloved mother, beloved son. I like it. Good start. We know where this is going. Barry Allen. That's not where we what? thought it was going. What? <laughs> Played by Ezra Miller. Want to go on record early on, Ezra Miller's got his own problems. Yeah, yeah. And I want to leave it at that. I think that's the right place to leave it. I think this is one of those, we're going to have to really try to separate artist from the art. Yep, we're going to have to do it again later, too. And we will. uh, Not for Joss Whedon, though. No. He is an actual human piece of shit. Yep, yep. A pile of excrement. I believe- Pay no attention to the Super Stuff Squad Avengers. He was in Jurassic Park as- that giant pile that they had to reach into <laughs> that was, in fact, a cameo from Joss Whedon, early Joss Whedon. Wow, 1993. Yeah, couldn't uh, believe it. It always comes back. It's the benchmark for right. our, our <laughs> special effects. That's a big pile of shit. <laughs> Joss uh, finds a way. I wish he wouldn't. <laughs> I wish he wouldn't. He is a living Peter principle where he just keeps failing upwards, except, I mean, the Avengers is good. Avengers is good. It is good. But, I mean, but I Man, it's going to catch up with you, and I'm glad it did. Yeah. Even a broken clock gets time right twice a day, right? I guess so. That's what they say. Someone should break his fucking clock. Clock him. Yeah, clock. I see, I see what you did there. Like, punching. I really do not like Joss Whedon. Yeah. I cannot stress that yeah. enough. You kind of liked the original cut of this movie. And I, I did. remind you. And I did. And what's weirder is, like, I, I just finished watching Alan vs. Farrow, HBO Max as well. Yeah. I think Joss Whedon's a worse person right now. Really? Yeah, because of all wow. the stuff that's coming out. Woody Allen was inappropriate in his own right. <laughs> that's putting it lightly. But he wasn't, but he wasn't racist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're both terrible people. All right. So Ezra Miller. <laughs> Speaking of terrible people. Who's, who's you know, we've said what we're going to say about Ezra. He is delightful in this movie. I hate how good he is in this movie. What's crazy is I kept seeing people online like, oh, he played it too aloof and goofy. I'm like, that's Barry Allen, son. That is son. Barry Allen. Grant Gustin is a hell of an actor. Yes. And it's a different Barry Allen. He's not goofy enough. He has his own goofs to him. He though. has his own goofs, But he also sure. has his own demons to him. And he carries those yes, hard. And I think hard. it's a great Barry Allen. It's fantastic. This is a goof him up, Barry, This is though. a goofy And it's Barry. great. And he, he plays it so well. Barry Allen is going to an interview for a job where he r- literally runs into Iris West. Literally. Played, played by Kiersey Clemens. Sure. Who's great. Yes. In her non-speaking role. Yes. While he's trying to fumble his way through the interview, a passing truck driver drops his cheeseburger and bends over to pick it up. While, he is fighting driving. to get this cheeseburger 
for so long for so on screen, long. and it's Zack Snyder time. So right, it's like quadruple time. Yeah, it's like oh man, he he was bent over for a long time. If this is real time, right? And we see the slow motion cheeseburger. He runs a red light, and Iris is so busy looking at Barry that she doesn't notice until the truck hits a hot dog cart. <laughs> and then her car. Right. This is a weird moment. This is a very weird moment. Because Barry doesn't so much take off his shoes as he goes into the speed time, like super speed. Yeah, he, he starts super speeding. He just sheds them, shreds them. Pivot. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> his shoes defabric themselves. Yeah, he does an about face so fast that his shoes just kind of melt. So now he's going barefoot. He's barefoot. He's barefoot, Alan. That's right. I and hate you. I hate you for that <laughs> joke. It is so good. <laughs> he runs out into the street. He takes a hot dog, and he saves Iris as her car explodes. I love how he's in slow motion. Yep. Because every well, he's in he's fast motion. Everything else is slow fa- motion because clock stoppers. But he's still in slow motion. He is still. In, it's. Because it's a Zack Snyder film. Right. Let's so never like, forget. He's in super speed, but he's in slow motion, so the world is in even slower motion. Right. It might as well stop. And I like how he's doing this cute little, like, E.T. moment with Iris almost. Yeah. And then he sees a hot dog, grabs it, and it's hysterical. He puts it in it's his It's legitimately pocket. funny. It's so good. Because of the look on Ezra Miller's face of just like, yeah, it's a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> he saves her. It's great. He saves her. He he. Tucks her up and puts her on the ground, and everything goes back to real time, and her car immediately explodes. My favorite thing in the world. I love that. It's my favorite thing. I love impact explosions. Instantly exploding. It's so good. I love it. And then she looks up at him like, What? I was in that car a second ago. I know I was. Right. Who are you? And then he just zaps away. I like she got a good look, though. Yeah. She did get a good look. She did get a good look. Also, she's coming back for the Flash movie when and if that Flash movie happens. Oh, we cannot talk about the Flash movie. So. I will get too excited. Okay. That is the movie that I am looking forward to the most. Really? By a long shot. Okay. You ever read Flashpoint? I know of things that happen in Flashpoint. I've never read it. Okay. It's unbelievable. If I know anything about comic book movies, it will not be a faithful adaptation. No, it will not. <laughs> But still, the concept in itself is fun. Uh, the Flash, the TV show, basically did a whole season of Flashpoint. Yeah. So, which gives me hope for a proper crisis on the Infinite Earths. There's so many crises. Anytime DC realizes they got too much going on, they do a crisis. Oh yeah, no, it's like oh, how many crises are we at now? I don't know, like twelve, thirteen, something like that. At some point, I don't know. We keep making the title out. bigger, and then we're like, how do we? How do we <laughs> do better than Crisis on Infinite Earths? Right. We do Identity Crisis. That's not good. Final crisis! Final crisis. What are you going to do after that? Oh, no. It's the next year Infinite we have to do, crisis. do another crisis. <laughs> it's the crisis of all crises. I see the problem with DC. Jesus crisis. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's got to be the last one. Jesus crisis superstar. Oh, well, yeah, now you're doing it. All-star Jesus crisis. <laughs> All new, all different Jesus Crisis. It's a crossover with Marvel. Right, and then on Easter, they have Jesus Crisis Rebirth. It's perfect. Of course. <laughs> Barry feeds the hot dog to some puppies because his interview was Because at it's a, adorable. Was it was at a, a shelter? Adoption? I don't know. Uh, it was pet store, and he's pet like store. saying he doesn't have any experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how he pulls out his resume, and it's all crumbled. He's like, Whoa, what would someone be handing this to you for? It's all crumbled. What's this guy doing with this resume? <laughs> resume, re- resume, I believe, is it's the French. French. The past he's participle charming of, as hell he and annoying as hell. And annoyingly charming. Yeah. It works so well. 
You know who's not charming? Steppenwolf. He's not charming. Steppenwolf is interrogating some Atlanteans about the location of the mother box. Like, yeah, you smell like mother box, which is a really good insult. You should try it on somebody, especially if they've <laughs> never seen this movie. They're like, what did you say about my mom's box? Is that like out of Monty Python or something? I just don't even understand that. The Atlanteans are like, I won't betray my people. And Steppenwolf has like this magic mind-reading hologram spider thing. Which is cool. Which is really neat. But it, it crawls on the Atlantean's head and it just projects where the mother box is. Right. So you could have started with that. It would have been a lot Why? easier. He's imposing. Yeah, sure. Impose first before going to the gadgetry. Pageantry before gadgetry. You're exactly. right. Exactly. You're right. That belongs on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Coming what soon. makes you a supervillain? <laughs> Presentation. Page- Presentation, exactly. <laughs> Pageantry before gadgetry. Look for that on the, on the Super Stuff store. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Bruce and Diana are reviewing the metahumans Bruce found. Uh, he tells her Aquaman said no. He's like, I went and talked to Aquaman. He was like, nah. But we got this, this Barry Allen guy and, you know, uh, the cyborg. And Diana's like, all right, you go talk to Barry. I'll talk to the cyborg guy. Perfect. Good plan. How do you feel about a Victor Stone flashback? Yes, please. Yeah, he's standing in his apartment all brooding, looking out a window, and he's like, you know what? I want to remember the old times. <laughs> right. My human days. My human days, which we don't know how long ago it was. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. No, it does not. He was a football star playing for Gotham City University. It was the Wildcats? It was the Wildcats. Playing Wisconsin. Yes. So probably a D1 team, it sounds like. Probably, but I mean, it was weird because it's like when you look at Gotham City, the whoever, in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. You got that Pittsburgh Steelers, black and yellow, black and yellow. And then here you get the same thing. So it's Uh like, oh, that's a nice touch. It's uh, black and yellow. You know who else wears that? Batman. Batman does. Yes, he does. Yeah. I think it's just the official colors of Gotham at this point. Fair enough. All right. Victor is also a brilliant student, and he he helps other students by hacking into the the system of the school and and giving them better grades. And he does this all while scoring really slow-motion touchdowns. Really slow-motion touchdowns. Like, I can't describe the amount of slow motion in this touchdown that we saw. You've seen slow-motion replays before in the NFL. This takes it to a whole new level. Right. This would be them reviewing a good score throughout an entire commercial break. Yeah. Of just confirming that this guy clearly crossed the line. Frame by frame. But during a full commercial break. Yeah, yeah. In the Super Bowl. Because that it that, those are longer. Those are longer commercial breaks. They're worth more money. Yeah. Basically, Victor Stone, all around good dude. He's a great dude. If he's going to hack into some system, it's going to be He's going to do it for the somebody. right reason. Exactly. And his mom defends him. He's, she's like, well, this student wasn't going to be able to blah, 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 blah. Why aren't you helping me? If anything, my son's better than blah, blah, you. You know. Mom stuff. Mom stuff. (laughs) Mrs. Stone, that's Dr. Stone. Oh, got him. She did get him. I loved it. Vic wins the big game. He he beat the Wisconsin. His slow motion touchdown was the winning score. Right. And uh, he's he's getting lifted up on the shoulders by the team, and he's like, oh, this is great. Ma, look at me. And then he notices that his dad isn't there. Right. His dad's always working. I, I was not expecting a nod to Michael Caine in this movie. But you get a full-blown gold member. Daddy wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And they focus on the empty seat. It's like, this is a stadium. That's not how stadiums work. That thing's getting filled. Oh, absolutely. Especially, Especially against Wisconsin. Right? This is an important game. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> on the drive home, Vic tells his mother not to make excuses for his father. He should have been there. 
And then they get hit by a truck, probably a guy reaching for a cheeseburger. Right. Silas arrives at the hospital to the news that his wife didn't survive, and uh, neither will his son. They drop it on him pretty quickly. They're like, oh, I'm glad you're here. Your wife's dead. Your son's not going to make it. Do you <laughs> right. need? Do you want a beverage or anything? <laughs> right. Do you want to see him? Do you want to <laughs> act? Okay, go. Yeah. No. And then he does. You're on, by the way. <laughs> the mother box I was just cues gonna, <laughs> I was just going to say, the mother box got a better cue. Right. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I forgot to Michael Winslow for most of this episode so far. <laughs> I forgot that my intro line was, yeah, He's not going to make it, and your wife's already dead. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. It's <laughs> a heavy line to hit me with. All right. I dramatic can pause. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Agony. <laughs> <laughs> Silas is like, I'm not going to let you die, which almost sounds threatening. It really does. Back in the present, Silas is, is back home, and he tells Victor, hey, you're not stuck in the house just because you're some sort of deformed robot guy. You're not a prisoner. You can go out. There's the door, bub. Go. Have a ball. Have a blast. Walk around Gotham. People think you're dead. Take advantage of this. How? I don't know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but he leaves in this uh, recording device detailing all of his all of his abilities. You have enhanced strength, limitless control over anything digital, including the world's nuclear arsenal, uh, and, and you can fly. Right, and what's weird about this is that it is on a recording that the father gave him instead of just having this conversation right. with him. Well, Victor doesn't want to talk to him. No, but, I mean, if I didn't talk to my dad, my dad's not going to leave me a recording and go, listen to this talk boy. <laughs> you hear, hear my thoughts. I know you don't want to hear me, but I'm going to detail all of your superpowers on this answering machine. Right. <laughs> I want to hit the table. I will say that, and I'm not. It was the best way to make it a VO. And it worked. Yeah. It really did work. I guess, yeah. Silas also tells him that it's not what he can do that will determine who he is but the things he chooses not to do with his limitless abilities. Yeah. This sounds familiar. It's, huh? Uh, with, it sounds like something I said. With great power comes great decisions about when not to do great things. Right? That's paraphrasing. I couldn't tell you what episode it was. It was fairly recent. I said most of these superheroes, especially Superman, are not about what they can do. It's what they can't do. What they can't and do. And I think that's what DC nails. Well, see, I, I don't think it's he's saying what you can't do. It's just knowing what you shouldn't do. But the real question here. When you word it that way, is a question of morality. Yeah, I think that that's the what Silas is trying to impart into Victor at this moment. Which is interesting because he's a full-grown man. Yeah, he's and that should have been done. He's a college much, student much earlier who just who just got access to the nuclear codes. So I think like maybe just being like, "Hey, bud, don't use them." is is not that far out of the realm of. But how is he not supposed to use them? He just scored a big touchdown in the big game with that football, and now he's got access to like the other football. So it's like <laughs> you trade one for the other, right? He's like, "I'm used to throwing footballs. I'm gonna this do it." This is confusing, Daddy Talk Boy. <laughs> man, if only I could have this conversation with you in person. <laughs> oh man. The next part of the recording. Silas addresses Victor not as a scientist. Oh, God, I love this so much. But as his father. <laughs> he openly says, now listen, you robot son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you as a scientist anymore. I'm going to talk to you as your father. And that's when he crushes the From the, the heart. And yeah, he just crushes it in his hand and dumps it on the counter. Right, he's like, I only talk to science dads. <laughs> you son of a bitch. It's just science dad for me, the one who made me into this robot monster. Right. I don't want to hear from dad with a heart <laughs> right it's like there's biological fathers and science fathers and yeah. fuck my biological father i'm all about my science daddy now. i like science daddy better 
I mean, I hate both of them. Let's be honest. But really, Science Daddy made me into this. Damn it! Son of a bitch! I'm so conflicted. This is so trying on my robot gears, maybe? Yeah, yeah. This we'll really, get there? This is really making my gears crank. <laughs> This grinds my emotional gears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heart drive is is getting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Cyborg ever needs firmware updates? And what would that be like? Do you think like a new girlfriend is like, man, you look in firmware today or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just upgraded. <laughs> Like, he's out on a hot date getting, like, a sweet burger or something like that, and he just starts staring off in distance, and she's like, oh, what are you thinking about the past? He's like, no, I'm updating. (laughs) (laughs) You ever think he updates in the middle of a date, and then he's like, and she's like, what just happened? He's like, who are you? I'm... (laughs) I'm Cyborg 3.1, and I don't know anything from the past. (laughs) Right, he just reboots himself constantly. That'd be so good during a date, how he's just starting to, like, get a little weird about, like, the date. Like, this isn't going well. This is really awkward. This is uncomfortable. I don't like it. I tried to hold her hand. She didn't want it. And she's just like, what's going on, Victor? Like, how do we fix this? Should I turn you off and on again? I just don't understand. (laughs) Save it for the reboot. (laughs) That's got to be a weird way of robot sex, of cyborg sex. It's like, you're turning me off and on. Plug it in. All right, now, now unplug it. it. Now plug it back in. All right, now unplug it. Now wait 10 seconds. Oh, that's the spot. <laughs> a parademon shows up outside the apartment. That's the natural segue. Yep. And then um, <laughs> and then he decides to not go in. The parademon's just like, something's happening over here. Oh, I got to go. Right. And leaves. I don't understand parademons. I, I don't I don't either. think we're meant to. No. At least we know they don't smell fear like they did in the theatrical cut. Good. That was a thing. That was stupid. It was very dumb. Barry goes and visits his father, Henry, played by Billy Crudup. I can't believe he's back. Here he is. Stop giving this man work. Well, at least here he's in prison. Good. He should be in acting prison, according to some (laughs) Amazon one-stars from the past. People who can't act. Billy Crudup makes choices. Yes. Constantly. Always. like a bad Nick Cage. Wow. That's a loaded sentence. Yes, it is. (laughs) Take it how you will. Man. All right. I always think of Big Fish whenever I think of Billy Crudup because yeah. when he acts against Albert Finney and he's just making these weird choices he does. constantly. I still find that movie so endearing. It's very, very good. I saw it in theaters three times yeah. in a week. Yeah, that, that checks out. I didn't see it until long after it left theaters. But then I probably watched it three times that week. So. I'm calling it now. That's coming to a Patreon near you oh, sometime gotta be. soon-ish. Yeah, it's happening soon. Don't you fret. I'm willing to talk about more crudup if I have to. Sometimes. For that movie. He keeps crudding up That's here and right. there. Barry goes to visit his dad in prison. He's locked up for allegedly murdering his wife. You know, superhero origin stuff. Of course, stuff. of course, of course. That's the same line I used in the last month. Yes, you did. Like I said, I saved 10% of it. I'm glad. Henry wants Barry to live his own life and stop visiting him all the time because he doesn't have any hope that he's ever going to get out. You're wasting your life, Barry. Come in here visiting me. You know, go go do your own thing. Right. Stop living in the past. And I wish that he would listen to his daddy so we don't have Billy Crudup in the movie anymore. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty nice. Yeah. Barry returns to his secret hideout where he lives, I guess. I don't. Does he pay rent on this place? I have no clue. It's, it's like a secret. warehouse 
but not like a small warehouse. Yeah. Like a real small one. I'd live in a small like a, warehouse. Like a big storage unit, really. I think that's what a small warehouse is. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't live in a, <laughs> in a big storage unit. Well, I mean, if it's big enough. Anyway. How great would that be, though? If Storage Wars came on, they cut the lock and it just opens up. And it's just a dude watching TV. You sitting there on your bed watching a hey, show on your what phone. what are you doing in here? <laughs> How much am I worth, baby? Start the bidding. <laughs> yep! <laughs> no. It's not your choice, Merchandise. You shut up. Oh, no. You let Dave buy you. <laughs> just became Dance for Dave. Yep! Barry gets to his hideout, and Bruce Wayne is just hanging out in the dark in his second favorite chair. Love it. I love his favorite chairs, how he ranks his chairs. That's great. It's very- Very knocked up. Very on character, too. Yeah. Barry denies that he has any kind of special abilities, but Bruce is like, you got this this suit here that's got very serious technology involved, and, and I suspect he's probably a speedster. It's a good suspicion. So he throws a batarang at him. I love this shot. How you see the battering cross Barry Allen, and he just looks and he goes, that motherfucker's Batman. Yeah, he's like, oh, shit. Oh, I this, love- this just got real cool. You see the Scott Pilgrim get it moment. It's so good. So Barry easily catches the batarang, realizes he's talking to Batman, and he's like instantly like, yeah, I'm in. I don't have any friends. Let's do this. Yeah, let's. I'm fine with this. This is great. This is what I need. I'm this part, is what I'm I part want. of this. Yep. Beautiful. My dad was just saying that I need to make friends. I love this, too, because Barry Allen tells his daddy that he's trying to get into criminal justice. Like, he almost has a degree or whatever it is. Yeah. But I love how Barry Allen seems like he's up for almost anything. I agree. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. You actually have a backstory to this character now, and I like it. I do, too. I do, too. Doesn't have friends. We got that in the theatrical as well. That's true. But- A lot of this scene we all already saw in the theatrical. Right. I just really, really like how he's up for whatever. He's up for whatever is going to help. Yeah. It's endearing. It really is. They get into Bruce Wayne's car, and Barry's like, hey, remind me again, what's your superpower? He's like, oh, I'm rich. I love it. It sets the tone for Batman and Bruce Wayne in this movie. Sure does. Again. Back at Bat Headquarters, Alfred is working on a gauntlet that can dissipate high amounts of energy. I like how you called it Bat Headquarters and not Bat Cave. I like that quite a bit. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's Bat Headquarters. Right. Because they never really show it being a cave. No, that's correct. Diana is looking into Cyborg, who realizes he's being searched for, and reaches out to her instead. He's like, hey. Meet me here. Meet me here. My hacking ability to show you whatever still comes up as ransom script or whatever. Well. That is. Be intentional. (laughs) (laughs) They meet up in a dark alleyway that starts out as a lit alleyway, but he's Cyborg and control everything, so it makes it a dark alleyway. He is so powerful, it's ridiculous. It's insane. Like, overpowered. And it does make you think, like, what isn't he doing Right at that point? So right. it's like, yeah, that's appropriate. Diane tries to convince Cyborg to join the team, and he's like, uh, nah. Except he doesn't even say no. He just flies he away. He just flies away. He's like, I'm not going to answer you. Bye. What a baller move. Yeah, right? And then he goes and he buries the mother box in his own grave. Which <laughs> is wild to me. It's one of those things of, like, it wasn't a hole in the forest. In a dirt hole, and nope. then he moved into his closet. Now he's like, "Yeah, whatever. I got this other fresh piece of dirt here. <laughs> Throw it in. Just, just yeah. I guess we'll just bury it in this hole." <laughs> he wants to prove that he's still human. Sure, <laughs> something like that. At Star Labs, Ryan Choi shows Silas Stone that when they blast the metal from the Superman ship with their X-ray laser thing, it becomes superheated, and it's like the hottest thing on the planet. Right. So remember that. 
Don't know why you'd ever need to know that, but now you do. Yeah, you know it now, so, you know, commit that. Hang on to that. That's probably not going to come back. Definitely, maybe, probably, it will come back. It's going to come back. (laughs) Yeah. Silas returns home to see that the mother box is gone, and there's a giant hole in the wall, and then a parademon kidnaps him. (laughs) I don't understand these parademons. They're just, you know, whenever it's convenient to the plot, that's when they show up. They feel like flying monkeys. They do. That's the impression I get. Yeah. And I got it in the first one and I get it in this one. It's they, they feel like flying monkeys. They're like the Tengu warriors from Power Rangers. I went with my favorite movie of all time with Nailed it. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. No. And I went with Ma- no, I didn't. And then it's... you just took a Whedon on me. <laughs> just a massive Which Whedon. could be a double entendre in itself. <laughs> yeah, it could be, couldn't it? I don't like that. At GCPD, Police Commissioner Jim Gordon, played by J. Fucking K. Fucking Simmons, confirmed for Spider-Man 3, is alerted to a series of civilians being kidnapped by these parademons. Well, they're not sure what's kidnapping them, but there's civilians going missing. And they're kidnapped by a police sketch that is still the same sketch that we saw earlier. Right. It's the, the same it's one. That janitor sketch of the wombat <laughs> right. with the glowing eyes and the, the shaggy cape. Some of the Gotham police officers suspect that it's Batman, but Gordon's like, "What you think the guy defends Gotham for 20 years? This is an old Batman. He's not going to be fighting crime all these years just to start kidnapping people out of nowhere. Grow the fuck up. And you want to know what? J.K. fucking Simmons is right. He's absolutely right. He's like, ah, yeah, he's going to defend the city for 20 years and then just start randomly attacking citizens. You know, that makes sense. Gotham cops, famously terrible cops. Yeah. Remember that time they went into the tunnel all together and then there were no (laughs) cops in the city ever again? Hey, what do you think? Because that movie's terrible. We send all of us in? Yeah, definitely all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Even the guys who are off today? Definitely the guys who are off today. Definitely the guys who are off today. Everybody needs to go down there. We're a team. Everybody get underground. One now. goes, we all go. That's how it goes, right? Is that? Is that? <laughs> I'm happy you're seeing the holes in that movie. <laughs> so basically, uh, Gordon's like, you know what? I'll ask him about it. And this, this cop is so smart. He's like, how are you going to ask him? him? He's like, how the fuck do you think I'm going to ask him? The same way I've asked him the past 20 fucking years, Larry. How do you still have a job here? You're going to get a full pension. You're this stupid? Oh, my God. I've Go gotta, underground. I wish you stayed underground. I've got a light to switch on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the spotlight, man. It's always good. I still don't think that it would work. It For- definitely would not work. Yeah, I don't think that's how light works but unless gotham is so polluted oh that's possible actually but even then i feel like pollution doesn't just like stop it i don't know three thousand feet it's like oh good enough let's sit here pollution <laughs> like i've seen spotlights before but like there's usually not like an end to them right so, oh aim it at that cloud but even with pollution when you look at like beijing 2016 or 2018 whatever the olympics were then it hovers on the ground and we all know how fog works and cloud works. Like you don't shine a flashlight in fog when like you're or even right. flick your high beams on whenever you're driving. It doesn't go anywhere. Right. And if you put something in front of your high beams, you're definitely not gonna be able to make out that shape. Right. Gotham's got magic clouds. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's mostly fear toxin. Fair enough. <laughs> While all this is happening in Atlantis, Steppenwolf arrives to take the mother box, because that's kind of his MO. Mira, played by Amber Heard. Who's another one we're gonna just gonna gloss over? We real should quick. probably gloss over that and say she's got her own issues. She's got things going on, and you know what? All right. If you do a Google on her, the first thing that comes up won't be about acting. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. That's fair. Uh, Mira and the Atlantean guards fight Steppenwolf, but uh, he's 
very strong, even underwater. He's a good swimmer. He's, he's a very good swimmer. It's like he's had practice. Mira does a really cool thing where she traps him in a bubble, like she's going to talk to him, but like when he's hovering in the air over stuff, and he just falls. Right, because gravity. The gravity it exists underwater. And then he's like, oh, I didn't like that much, and he attacks her, and then he's like, oh, you can't get me to stop, and she's like, I'm not trying to. And she tries to suck all of the liquid out of his body, which is, which is such a badass move, and I never thought like, oh, I bet you that's a thing Atlanteans can do. Really cool. I love that. Really cool. But he gets away. And then Aquaman shows up and slaps him around for a little bit. But again, Steppenwolf, pretty strong. He's extremely strong. So uh, throughout all this, he's like, all right, I'm just going to take this mother box and leave. And he boom tubes in the middle of the ocean. Which is a thing that we can get, do now. gets out with the, with the second mother box. Of course. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> right. It's meatloaf math. That's exactly what it is. Mira tells Aquaman about his mother, Queen Atlanta. And she's like, oh, yeah, she took me in when, when my parents died and what, for some reason. I don't know. And then she's like, but... Since your mom is the one who would probably go chase after him, now I think you should do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm convinced. Hey, you know how your mom was the queen of Atlantis? It would have been her duty to chase down that guy. And, well, since you're the bastard son, <laughs> I guess I'm going to tell you to do it instead. Mostly because I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. And, and then she's just like, all right, see you next movie. H- have fun. <laughs> Cyborg goes home. And he finds out that his dad is in trouble because he finds his glasses on the floor. That's the international sign of your dad's in trouble. Uh-oh. Right. Steppenwolf now has two of the mother boxes. So he has fortified his stronghold with a big old veiny red bubble shield. Exactly. I like how this thing is pretty much just like a, a Civ Six update. Yep. Whenever he gets strong enough, he's like, oh, build on. Fine. Uh, just I'll the, add another landmark. Just hit the upgrade button. All right. I have two mother boxes now. Is that enough for the shield? All right. Excellent. Right. He places a call to Desaad on his intergalactic slab of rock. Right. And this blew my mind a little his bit. His eye because, stone. Oh, that's. <laughs> that took me by surprise. On his eye stone. I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it blew my mind out. He's talking to Desaad and he's like, maybe we could talk all night, but that ain't getting us nowhere. <laughs> and Desaad's like, Bitch, get the third stone. Yeah. Why are you calling me? I love that that he's literally like, cool, you got two. Get the third one. <laughs> Why like, are you- I'm working on it. Gosh, stop calling me. You called me. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know what the point of the scene was other than to be like, they got a shield now. Fine. We want to use more of these cool graphics where, the, where he grows out of the eye stone. They spend $70 million CGI budget yeah. after the fact. So you know what? Fine. Yeah. Show it off. Part four, change machine. Here we go. We're halfway through. We're going to put some cash Can't believe in it either. and get some coins back. That's exactly it. I just imagine the Justice League at the laundromat. Didn't know I needed that. Maybe the arcade. I don't Which know. is weird for me to say. It's very weird for you. Because I don't like superheroes doing not super things. Yeah. But when it's DC... I'm suddenly okay with it, which yeah, has no, to that, say something. That checks out, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I'm learning a lot about me. Yeah. That everyone already knew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dave plus DC equals, yeah, whatever. If they want to do it, it's fine. I think the word you're looking for is schwing. Yeah, fanboy is the- <laughs> There it is. Part four, change machine. Commissioner Gordon sends up the bat signal and is joined to the rooftop by Batman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash. And then Cyborg shows up, too, because, yeah, he's like, oh, I found glasses. Got to go to the bat symbol. <laughs> right. Signal. Symbol? It is the bat symbol it's in a, a signal. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. We're going. Let's roll with it. Symbol form? 
Gordon tells them what happened, showing them the witness sketch, which Diana's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a parademon. He's like, oh, I thought it was How a, could you a tell? Weasel. My three-year-old draws better things than that thing. <laughs> Cyborg uh, looks at all these sightings of parademons, and, and Gordon's like, yeah, they don't connect anywhere. And he's like, actually, they do, but not on land. And then he points to a place that's an island, and that's where they're all converging. And last I checked, islands are land. They are? It's Stryker's Island, which is not to be confused with Rikers. That's the big difference. Uh, so the four of them head off to save all these kidnapped civilians. They do, and they leave Barry behind, which is amazing. It's Yeah, because yeah, Gordon, Gordon turns, turns around. <laughs> and they all disappear like superheroes do, and then Gordon turns back around, and Barry's like, oh. oh. Okay. They actually do that, huh? They, they okay. all just left. Okay. That's rude. <laughs> I love it. And then he it's vanishes. It's so good. But I feel like like Gordon's reaction when he turns back around is like, why are you still here? Yeah. It's like, well, he was mid-sentence, so I, he was like surprised that he could still keep going, but was also like, I don't know where to finish this sentence. <laughs> right. I usually- <laughs> I usually I have start, to stop here. I turn around, I start rambling, I turn back around, and I don't have to finish my thought. And <laughs> right. Now you're here, you weird red spandex. Boy, this is awkward. <laughs> Steppenwolf and the Parademons are pressing their hostages for the location of the third mother box. Because that's how you got to find it. Right? He's got these spiders, and they're they're brain probing these people. But Silas is like, leave this guy alone. He doesn't know. Steppenwolf picks up Silas, and he's like, oh, you reek of mother box. That's such a weird thing to say to anybody at yeah. any time. If anyone says that to you. Go find an adult. You're probably an adult, but go find- <laughs> Like somebody's more adult. More adult. Go find somebody. And you reek of mother box energy. <laughs> <laughs> so he's interrogating Silas pretty hard, which naturally Cyborg, not a fan of, because that's his science daddy. It is his science daddy. He's like, man, I heard him on the on the talk boy. That's my talk boy daddy. That's my that's science daddy. I got to say science daddy. <laughs> so he attacks Steppenwolf, and, and Barry's immediately like, this is not together. Because like we got to stay together, attack him together. But Cyborg's got to protect his father. And then they all fight Steppenwolf and the Parademons while the Flash evacuates all the hostages. It's pretty good. I like how he's just kind of running up and downstairs like, come on, yep. come on, come, come on. on, faster. Here we go. Once all the hostages are safe, the team tries to hold off Steppenwolf while escaping in Batman's Nightcrawler, which is just a, a big old robotic spider. Yep. Because when you think Batman, you think robotic spiders. I do. And all, all the time. Also, Steppenwolf has robotic spiders. There's just a lot of... Uh, you know what? This whole movie confirmed for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Fair enough. Either that or Wild Wild West 2. Which is also confirmed for Spider-Man 3. Correct. <laughs> As we all know. <laughs> Cyborg fires a missile from the Nightcrawler at Steppenwolf. And we already know that Steppenwolf is pretty strong. He is very strong. I've said it a few times now. He catches it in his, in his bare hands. And he's like, oh... Probably be bad if I did this, right? And he aims it at the tunnel. Let's go. And uh, it blows up a hole. And then he boom tubes out. And and Barry's like, hey, where, what are we under right now? And of course, it's Gotham Harbor. Of course it is. And that's water. And, and you know and who's in water. one thing. Here comes the Aquaman, who must have just been like hanging out outside. Outside the wall? <laughs> well, somebody open this stuff for me. <laughs> just like knocking on the... Hello? <laughs> Aquaman appears, and he holds back the water long enough for the rest of the Justice League to kind of stare at him. Like, was that in the old one? It was, theatrical? but I feel like they extended it a little bit. I feel like they did, too, because I don't remember him holding back the water, but I do remember him kind of like just being the one who saves them. 
But then I like how when the water starts pouring in, you do see Aquaman in the water. Yeah. At first, you're just like, oh, shit, Aquaman's here. Aquaman That's pretty cool. Here. Yeah. I feel like in the theatrical cut, he holds back the water, and then like they get in onto the Nightcrawler, and then scene ends. That's fair then. Okay. But here, he holds back the water as long as he can. Well- the rest of the team just kind of stares at him like, Where does, Hey, that guy's holding back water. Where does this guy come from? How long do you think he can do this? This is impressive. Let's keep watching the Aquaman doing and his Aquaman stuff. The wave crashes over him, and they're like, Oh, shit, we should get on the Nightcrawler. <laughs> so they do that, and even Diana, she still waits, and Cyborg's like, Hey, get on. Unbelievable. And then, you know, they climb up the wall, and they did it. They did it. And Cyborg is like, All right, cool, we're safe, and he blasts off and leaves everybody That's behind. That's right. They almost got distracted by the least interesting person in the room, but they didn't. So that's good. He's, he didn't have a shirt on. It's very distracting. He never does. You get used to it after a <laughs> point. Steppenwolf goes back to his nuclear hideout where the mother box gives him a, a vision of the anti-life equation. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's uh, it's something Darkseid really, really wants. And he must have forgotten that this is the planet he found it on all those years ago. All those years ago. There's so many, though. 50,000, you're going to forget things. Yeah, but I feel like once you find it once, you should like, you know, put a pin in that. That planet's got the anti-life equation. But there's so many other things he probably wants in his life. Oh, yeah, no. He's he's a man of many wants. He's got got the sod. He's got granny goodness. He's got things he needs to take care of. He can't just be thinking about the anti-life all the time. That's true. That's true. Or, you know, that time that he almost got killed trying to get it. Right. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, my arm almost got cut off on some planet. I don't remember where it was. I don't was. know what it was. Like, my shoulder still feels like funny thing, whenever I play space the tennis. The thing that's like the top but, of my ugh. Amazon wish list was on that planet. And, uh, you know, something about getting chopped in the arm by a god made me forget where that happened. But, you know, memory's weird like that. Memory is funny. <laughs> he should have gone for the head. Should have. It would have been worse for Darkseid's memory, though. <laughs> so Steppenwolf pulls out the eye stone. And he's like, hey, Desaad, guess what I found? And Desaad's like, are you sure? And it turns out that Darkseid is secretly on the call. And he's like, all right. <laughs> I love that. It's like, get me your manager. <laughs> and So Darkseid shows up on the on the eye stone. <laughs> and he's like, all right, Steppenwolf, get that third box. And then I'm coming there to get that anti-life. So really, his, his task hasn't changed. It's it has still, not changed. His task is still box. to get the third box. Okay. If, if I was to start, I'd be like, how many times are you going to call me to tell me you haven't finished your job yet? <laughs> it's got to get annoying at a point. Like, it's cool that you found this other thing that, that Darkseid really wants, but you know, maybe finish the job you're supposed to be doing and then be like, oh, by the way. Right. I got He's this other job thing. right now. Yeah. And I don't even know why Darkseid even needs to wait at this point. I don't either. Because it's one of those, like... The unity is totally different than what Darkseid is after. Right. It's entirely different. Right. These are two different things that are both pretty neat for him, but he only really wants one of them. Right. <laughs> the other one is just, you know, one in 500,000 or whatever. Right. And 50, I, I, I really forget. like the line here. I couldn't believe they even left this in, even in what is considered the director's cut when you think about it. How when Darkseid comes, he's like, are you sure that... The anti-life equation is on Earth. And then you have Steppenwolf. He's like, yeah, of course it's on Earth. What? I mean, where did you think it was? He's like, I literally just watched Independence Day and they said Earth. <laughs> I've been confused this whole time. I've been looking for Earth all these years. I've been years. looking for Earth. When William Smith said, welcome to Earth, I said, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> 
Zack Snyder made choices. I will continue looking for the anti-life equation elsewhere because I don't think Earth is a place. (laughs) (laughs) And mind you, all that happened in slow motion. Of course it did. (laughs) While that's happening, Cyborg tells the rest of the league, here, this is the third mother box. Nazis, Pentagon, Star Labs, car accident, mother box, now I'm Cyborg, but I'm alive. Good enough. And they're like, all right, that's enough for me. Anybody with a match can turn a house into smoke, but a mother box can turn smoke into a house. So they're all like, so we agree then? We're going to bring Superman back to life? <laughs> that's that's the scene. And the amazing part about that is that <laughs> Superman can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yeah. And this movie can leap tall MacGuffins in a single bound, clearly. It was a leap. A leap. It was a big old leap. I like that they go around the table. Barry, of course, the awkward one, is like, I think we're all thinking the same thing, but is anybody going to say it? Because I don't, I don't want to say it. And then, of course, Cyborg does the hologram of Superman. Of Superman flying away. So everybody's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. Are you suggesting it's like that room of like, nailed it. Every, yeah. Everybody wow. was like, we are a team. We might as well be the unity because we're all thinking the same, I'm gonna same tell, things. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Aquaman was not on the same page as everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> And that's canon in my head, is that Fair Aquaman was like, enough. yeah, we're all thinking the same thing. Who's the guy with the cape? <laughs> <laughs> Martha Kent goes to visit Lois Lane. I forgot they're in this movie, because it's so damn long. They have a whole emotional conversation about how they're the only two people who understand each other's pain about the loss of Clark. Which I like a lot. Which is very cool. I like how very Lois deep. actually has like a story here. Of, yes. She's going through some shit, too. She is grieving. She really is. And Hard. Then, Martha has lost the farm. We saw her leave the farm yeah. earlier, and now she's here in Metropolis. Right. And she's trying to get Lois back on her feet, which is amazing. Yeah. She's like saying, like, I mean, I heard you haven't been going to work. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like you need to get on? back on your feet. You there, need to live your life. There life is, is for something the you can do for me. Live. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely love it's that. Very nice. It's a very touching moment. A lot of emotional weight to this scene. Tons of emotional weight. Yes. Martha goes out into the hallway, and she turns into the, the Martian, Martian Man. fucking Manhunter! God damn it, that's cool! It's a very, very cool reveal from a fanboy perspective, but it really undercuts the emotional weight of the scene that just happened. I lost my mind. Yeah. I love John John so much. Of course. Martian Manhunter is a very cool character, and his involvement is very exciting, but on second watch, that scene... Nothing to it. You're like, that's not even Martha Kent. This means nothing. Well, it, there is something to it if eh. this were to grow into something more down the line. And it's very set up that way. And we'll get there. Okay. Okay. The team discusses the risks involved with reviving Superman. I kind of imagine there's a ton. It's super fucking man. It is super fucking man. But as soon as they activate the box, Steppenwolf knows its location and will come for it. So, yeah. So if they don't revive Superman, they're done. They are completely done. They're unfamiliar with Kryptonian biology, so they don't know how Superman will be when he returns. Now, is this the first time where Batman decides to go on faith? No, he's kind of been saying the whole faith thing the whole movie, which, which is, is a weird turn amazing for Amazing in my mind, because Batman is the symbol of reason and logic. Yes, and analytical thinking. Exactly. And, yeah. and here you have Batman, who realizes that, He's out of options. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I am, this is where I'm at. 
Right. This is all I have to go on anymore. I'm a rich guy in a suit, and I'm going off of faith. Like, what more humanity can you instill in a person And here? it drives just ridiculous. Alfred crazy. It does, but he's going on faith all of a sudden. Like, yeah. He's taking that leap, and I absolutely love this Batman because it is so different than any other Batman we've seen. It's incredibly different, and it's it makes me rethink my stance on on Bruce Wayne as the penultimate Bruce Wayne. But we will get there. We will get there. All the team knows for sure is that the mother boxes didn't call out to Steppenwolf until Superman died, which means Superman is the key. Exactly. So they have to try. They have to give it a shot. Part five. <laughs> I can't believe we're still going. This is so damn long. It really is. All the king's horses. I love that so much. Barry and Victor dig up Clark's body while Diana and Arthur talk about how weird it is that an Amazonian or an Amazon and an Atlantean are hanging out. It is pretty weird. So weird. What's weirder is the conversation between Barry and Victor. Yep. About how Barry's like, hey, Gal Gadot's pretty hot, right? You think she'd ever go for a younger guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I love Victor's like, dude, she's 5,000 years old. Every guy's a younger guy. Like, so you're saying there's a chance. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Alfred tries to reason with Bruce, who is, like we said, operating purely on faith. So, you know, that's happening at the same time. Elsewhere. It's like unnerving almost, though, because you're like, you need to think, you need a plan. Yeah. This is weird for you, Batman. And he's like, nope, Superman will do it. Very weird. Alfred's like, you can't just go waving the red cape at the problem. He's like, you can with this red cape. This red cape is pretty damn strong, Alfred. Superman. At Star Labs, uh, Silas was brought, Silas and all the people who were abducted by the, the parademons were brought in to be tested for alien pathogens. Because, you know, it's protocol. And Silas is like, I know, I wrote the protocol. Of course. But they don't find any. And Silas is let out of quarantine. And it's exactly that moment that Cyborg is hacking Star Lab security system to get Barry through with Superman's body. And then he sets off an alarm to clear out Star Labs. And Silas is like, this is impossible. We literally just did a sweep of the place. There's no alien contagion present. Right. He keeps saying, like, this is a hack. This, this is, is a false alarm. Yeah, exactly. Everybody inside, fine. They clear out the place. And then, of course, Silas crosses. The Justice League is they're coming in, and and he's on like the radio. The, I like the daddy nod there. Yeah, they're like they're acknowledging each other. He, he gives mm-hmm. him. It was like a it was like a heart daddy, not a not a science daddy. That's right. Yeah. it's definitely daddy switch. Yeah, it was a, it was a switch daddy. Switch he's, daddy. Uh, not so much a change machine. As right, a change daddy. Yeah, yeah. That's what this part should be called. He's on the radio with the people outside like, no, call it off. It's a hack. And then he immediately, as soon as he sees the Justice League walking, he's like, oh, never mind. Evacuate this bitch. This is real. Unbelievable. <laughs> Lois wakes up uh, and she, she, she's she got her arm over on the other side of the bed and she's like, oh, Clark's not there. So she gets up and, you know, after her talk with Martha Kent the morning before, she was like, all right, I'm 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 going to go into work, I guess. It's it's finally time. She opens her nightstand to get her ID badge. And, and of course, right in there is a, a pregnancy uh, test. That's what I was going to say. You said that it's funny there's a morning before. Because it's like she could have not needed the pregnancy test for the morning after. Hey. Yeah. Um, and in case you didn't see it when she first grabbed the badge, they go back to a second shot. I'll take this one. Of the drawer. There you go. Yeah. If there's one the movie deserves, it's that it's one. that one. Heavily. So then she goes about her normal morning routine of getting her coffee and going to the Superman memorial. Sure. Um, Even though she intends to go to work that day. Right. She says it's her last time. Right. So I like that. She kind of makes amends with herself. One last time. Yeah. 
on the Kryptonian ship, Cyborg is like, guys, the control panel is all burnt out, and we need a massive jolt of energy. And Barry's like, yeah, I can do that. He doesn't say it that confidently. He says it very reluctantly. He's like, like yeah, I got okay, this. Okay, when I go fast, I make a lot of bolts, and I could do this. It's not even that. He's like, I have this rule that I don't like to break, but in this instance, I could do it. Because the closer he gets to the speed of light, things get funny with time. But he creates a whole ton of electricity. Exactly. I like how Barry has his own rules. It's he nice. has. I like that he set rules for himself. It's nice. Which means he's definitely fucked up before. He has messed up he's in the like, past. Okay, let's not change time ever again. Right. That did not go well. They begin a countdown after Barry gets into position. Five, four. You know how countdowns work. When they get to one, Cyborg has a vision. The world is destroyed, terraformed to apocalypse. Darkseid sits on a throne. Diana on a funeral pyre. Aquaman murdered. Shit is bleak. It is dark and DC-like. Superman Superman is sitting on the ground with the burnt corpse of Lois Lane in front of him. Which is, oh my god, that Wow. And Darkseid comes over, just puts his hand on Superman's shoulder, which obviously, because of the anti-life equation, turns him evil. Yeah, of and, course. And oh man, this is all bad. So Cyborg, he he like snaps out of this vision he's having and goes, "No!" To which everybody else hears, "Go!" <laughs> and they drop the mother box. Yeah. And Barry starts running. The mother box hits the 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 fluid at the bottom of the the Kryptonian ship before Barry gets to it. But because we're already at that like light speed level of running. He goes slightly back in time, and the box rises out of the water, so he touches it at exactly Which the right moment. Which is wild. And I, I, you know what is amazing is how Aquaman's the one who put him in this water yeah. that's there, and he sent him to hell right. because he pushes him underneath the water, and we all know. They're just missing a cat, really. Yeah, a cat and Keanu. Exactly. Which could be the same thing. One and the same. If you talk to- Keanu is a cool cat. Key and Peele. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Good call. But you do see the mother box hit the water and then just- slightly go back up just, yeah, a little, just a little bit goes back up and you're like oh barry barry's fucking with time getting real close to breaking your rule right uh-huh, there which is great it works superman springs back to life and through the roof of the ship and then just kind of hovers over metropolis for a second and i love how all metropolis kind of stops yes what we say and lois is looking up like what the fuck yeah like how <laughs> I've been mourning you, and uh uh-huh, what? You're just here? Also, the mother box shoots out of the same hole and lands on a car right next to Silas, which is convenient. It is convenient enough. It's less convenient than it was. That's true. In the theatrical cut, still convenient. Yeah, Silas grabs the mother box, and, and we'll get back to that, I'm sure. We will. The Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman arrive at the memorial because that's where Superman goes as soon as he bursts forth. Right. It's across the street, more or less. And he says, like, that's where I was kind of downed. Here we go. Based on how long it took Batman to get there, I'm going to say it's a little bit farther away than Okay, that. blocks away. <laughs> do you think he just kind of, like, sauntered over, like, a, a leisurely stroll in the Batsuit? <laughs> how do you even do that in broad daylight? <laughs> Superman is confused. He scans the team with his X-ray vision, which causes Cyborg's defense system to activate on its own. And he fires at Superman, which is going to, it's not going to end It's not well. going to end well for it's anybody. Gonna, Superman's going to fight back. He's going to fight back. Dave, we've made it so far. We have made it so far. You know what? Go ahead. This is an actual IMDb trivia fact. The Snyder Cut, since it's come out, 
the IMDb facts have been rolling in regularly. Okay. I was looking at them a few nights ago, and there were 47. And then the next morning, I went on to you know continue writing the synopsis because it's a four-hour movie. I wasn't doing it, it all a in couple one days, night. Right. Uh, I refreshed the IMDb trivia facts, and there were 57. So there were 10 in the time that I I slept. You know what? So I, I'm not even angry because I'm actually curious. Yeah. Because I want to see just how far down into the pit of despair humanity's going to sink. On IMDb. This IMDb trivia fact confirmed for Spider-Man 3. Of course it is. During the scene where the heroes fight Superman after his resurrection, the Flash gets smashed into one of the pillars of the memorial for the Metropolis citizens killed in the Superman fight for Zod. One of the names is Ben Parker, which is the name of Spider-Man's uncle in Marvel Comics. Okay, so I'm one to stop (laughs) watching movies whenever I see like a newspaper or something fun that I could read. Yeah. I'm not going to stop it for a, a memorial during an action scene. It's just nonetheless. Names. Yeah. An action scene in a film that does not have a lot of action up until this point. I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think people were just so desperate for Easter eggs at this point. Like, whose name is on the list? Whose name? And also, Ben Parker was right next to his head. Fair enough. But oh, okay. there you go. The, the folks at IMDb. They strike again. They did it again. They all fight Superman to try to subdue him, but- it's Superman. The military shows up, they shoot at Superman, but it's still but Superman. But it's still Superman. Batman shows up, and oh boy, does Superman not like Batman. Superman is not like Batman. What's amazing is that this is a weird carryover from the theatrical cut, but yes. it's not at the same time because obviously- There's different It's like context. reverse engineering. Yeah. The context in the theatrical cut is Batman doesn't want to bring Superman back too much. He doesn't want him to see him because he's like, I'm the last person he saw alive. He definitely does not want to see me. Also, he's- in route to to get the secret weapon to make sure that Clark is good. Exactly. But here when he sees Batman, he sees a Batman. Right. He sees a threat against him, and he's going to try to laser eye him. He does. And luckily, Alfred did such a good job with those gauntlets. It takes that Kryptonian laser eye. It sure does. And he's about to go in for, for another shot, and Lois shows up. So in the theatrical, this was one of the biggest issues with the entire movie, is they called Lois the secret weapon. Yes, Batman went and retrieved Lois as like, oh, look, the power of love will save us from, from Superman. Power of love! It's the power of love! But here she kind of shows up because she saw it blocks away right. and had to take time to get to where this is happening. And when she showed up, Superman gets a little fucky in the head and he goes like, oh, hold on. Wait a minute, I recognize hold on. you. Did we do it? I feel like maybe- Did we do it? Is there a pregnancy test in your nightside table? Bedside table? What do you call that? Nightstand. Bedside table. That's the one. Either or. Either or. Mix them together if you Mall feel like rat it. rat Stan Lee. Not like I'm going to get taken advantage of old man Stan Lee. <laughs> 90s Stan Lee. <laughs> shows up and he's like, maybe they will punch a hole in that fallopian tube or whatever. Maybe Jason Lee's on to something. Brody, that's his name in this, and I'm going to keep in character with Stan Lee. Excelsior! <laughs> About as concise as Stan would have done it. That's right. <laughs> Superman calms down, and he flies away with Lois. As you do. Yeah. And they're like, well, we got, Sp- we got Superman alive, but he's gone now. So... So now what? I got faith. I'll come back. I have faith. <laughs> While the team is distracted by the fight with Superman, Steppenwolf shows up looking for the last mother box. But Silas took the mother box 
into Star Labs to the particle accelerator X-ray lasery thing from earlier that we said wouldn't come back, but did. Right, and I like how Steppenwolf goes to the car that it fell on first. He's like, I smell mother box. No, he's all about sniffing mother box. Civic. What? Okay. <laughs> oh, oh. Sorry. It was VTech. I thought it's not mother box. It was VTech. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a weird tie-in commercial. Sure would have. Is that a hybrid? <laughs> hey, that thing got a Hemi. <laughs> like a weird Tesla commercial? You smell that? Me neither. Electric. Do it. Woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> now that is a Super Bowl when you start including weird 80s things. Oh, yeah. So Silas locks himself into this room with the mother box, puts it in front of the laser beam thing, and he starts it up. Cyborg arrives just in time to watch both Heart Daddy and Science Daddy disintegrate. Not what you want. No. In terms of daddies. No. You generally want at least one to stick around. At the very least. And he's watching both of them just poof. Gone. Gone. Steppenwolf uh, just steps right into that box and grabs that grabs the mother box and he's like, all right, guys, boom, tubing out. See ya. And he does. Uh, it's the, a lot better than it was because- in the theatrical cut, he kind of popped down, went yoink, and then was just gone. Yeah, it was like, oh, you guys are fighting Superman? I'm just going to take this from this car and leave. Exactly. Like, everybody's like, hey, wait, where's the mother box? Oh, man. Gosh darn it. We were <laughs> fighting the Superman so hard. Forgot about it. Forgot about the only plot device in this yeah, movie. It's definitely better. Damn it. The rest of the team shows up, and um, they're like, oh, no. Cyborg's dad died. This we, this is not good. We shouldn't have done this. And then, but but Diana's like, no, no, no it's fine, because <laughs> we needed Superman, and now Superman's alive. And Aquaman's like, that's not Superman. And Batman's like, it's Superman. All right, chill. He recognized Lois. Trust me, I saw his chest hair. But Cyborg realizes that his father wasn't actually trying to destroy the Mother Box, but superheat it to reveal Steppenwolf's. Secret hideout location. We did it. How cool is that? Luckily, this the mother box is made of like the same material as Superman's spaceship. Yep, that's convenient. No, I feel like that actually deserves a hot fuzz. <laughs> Yarp. Yarp. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they're like, oh, cool. Silas sacrificed himself so we could go beat Steppenwolf. It's kind of neat. Yeah. So, thanks, Hero Daddy. Hero. Oh, there's a third daddy. Yeah, three daddies. He was there all along. <laughs> right. Part six, something darker. We made, how is that possible? I don't First know. Of all, I was going to say we made it to part six, but how is it possible that there's something darker? Uh, who knows? This is the DC universe. Yeah, and and they're like, hey, guess what? Remember that, that shot we had of <laughs> Superman with burnt Lois in front of him? Right. Something We're darker. We're going darker now. Right. And that had to have pissed off Joss Whedon because he's a racist. <laughs> I just I thought it was too long in between mentions yeah, yeah, yeah. of Joss Whedon it had been a minute. being a horrible, horrible racist. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. He's a racist. Hard stop. <laughs> totally. I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> it's DC. <laughs> go wherever you want. All right. They don't care, neither should you. <laughs> Clark Kent and Lois are outside the Kent farm in Smallville. <laughs> Going to like a really nice wholesome yeah, scene. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's slowly remembering things about you know when he was alive. Yeah, he's rebooting himself. Yeah, he's got a he's got a slow startup process. <laughs> exactly. Just that cyborg. 
Martha shows up and she gives Clark a hug. She does, yep. and then you get that weird hug between Lois Lane and Martha, and now it's weird. Now it's weird. Because this is officially the first time they're seeing each other in this movie. Right. But it's not, but, but, but it yeah. is. It's definitely the first time for Martha, not for Lois. <laughs> right. That's interesting. <laughs> it's weird. Clark tells Martha and Lois that the other heroes wanted him back for a reason, and he needs to find out why. I have to imagine it's to save something. You're Superman. It is right. exclusively what you do. It's like, hey, we brought him back from the dead just for giggles. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know what? I kind of miss that Superman guy. How about you? You, you think we should just bring Clark? him back? Clark, you alive? Okay, good. So we have one extra box in this Super Bowl pool. <laughs> <laughs> we need filled. Damn it. Always trying to fill those mother boxes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the team planned their assault. While they're in the Bat Cave or Bat Headquarters. Bat Headquarters. Right. Cyborg wants to go into the Unity and blow it up from the inside. And everybody's like, You're crazy. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, what? I just watched my dad disintegrate. What do I have to live for? <laughs> I'm just going to jump into the Unity and split it up from the inside. You know what? Fair enough. All right. Go ahead. But that means they need to get to the source by fighting Steppenwolf at his own base. Okay. Bruce mentions his nightmare from the last movie to Diana, where Barry came back in time and, and told him that Lois was the key, and that probably won't come back. I bet it will. <laughs> or won't. Or maybe it, it won't. It will and won't at the same time. Yeah. DC's funny. DC is funny. <laughs> in Russia, Steppenwolf brings all the boxes together to begin the unity. Actually, let me try that again. In Russia, boxes bring unity together for Step. Nope, that doesn't- It doesn't work. I tried. <laughs> It doesn't work. In Mother Russia, Mother Boxes. In, in anything. In Soviet Russia, Mother Boxes bring Steppenwolf to start unity. <laughs> you know what? Fine. He starts combining the boxes, and we get reaction shots from around the entire world to the, the sound of the unity, which is just boom. And people just kind of glance over their shoulder that when that out. happens. They're like, huh? What was that? <laughs> I think I heard something coming from Russia. This sounds like a Hans Zimmer score from The Dark Knight. Sarah Palin was happened? like, I saw it happen. From my house. <laughs> I saw the unity from my house. <laughs> Sarah, for the last time, you did not. <laughs> the League arrives to begin the final showdown. Here we go. The Flash has to run faster than ever to generate enough energy to push Cyborg into the unity. Batman is going to take their transport ship and penetrate the energy dome that covers the nuclear plant, and then uh, they're going to fight their way to Steppenwolf. That's that's the plan, more or less. It is more or less. I like how Batman fires missiles and doesn't work, and he fires more missiles, and it works. Yeah, how about that? While this is happening, Clark goes to his ship, where he picks out his black suit, and he gets advice from his, his ghost dads. Oh, that black suit. Uh, it looks cool. I don't understand the purpose. I don't need a purpose. I cook good enough. Good enough. <laughs> I think it looks awesome. He's just like, uh, this suit? No, that's it. No, black suit. That's what we got to do. We got to do black suit. Right? The whole time he's got he's got Russell Crowe in one ear and Kevin Costner in the other. I'd be conflicted, personally. I mean, he's, the thing is, this is legitimately two dads. This is a two daddy situation. This isn't like Science Dad and Heart Dad. This is No, this is Science Dad and Heart Dad. This is exactly Oh my what God, it you're is. right. It is exactly the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> hey, you have science that he's like, listen, you alien bastard. <laughs> I'm going to send you off to this planet. Don't touch the kryptonite. It's bad. It's bad. And you have the other one who's like, let's have a catch because let's, I like baseball. Let's have a catch. Oh, nope. Don't save me from this tornado. 
That's heart dad. That is heart dad. Wow. That's amazing. Science daddy and it all heart comes daddy back. still DC is more brilliant than you could ever imagine. They somehow plan for our bits. <laughs> right? <laughs> DC. Happy accidents. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the new Jesus Crisis Jew 52. <laughs> oh, God. That's so good. <laughs> How long are you saving that up for? Oh, man, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and not like a normal, like it's been a while during a synopsis. Right. It's a very long synopsis. It's been a while. Oh, man. Batman does what he said he would. He breaches the force field, knocks out the tower, lowers the shield, and destroys the transport ship in the process. Right. He says, go to town, everyone. He's like, like, all right, do. guys, have fun. And, and he's like, don't worry about me. I'm going to distract all these parademons. And they're like, the fuck is he going to do? <laughs> Because it's basically Batman saying, like, hey, I'm going to go die while you guys fight Steppenwolf. And He's they're just like, going to fly around they're like, for a while. We can't let him do that, right? So he just jumps into the Batmobile and starts driving around. And they're like, all right, let's all help Batman. So they just go around and just start wrecking parademons left and right. It's pretty great. It's awesome. And what blows my mind about this Batman is he's mortal. He's extreme. And they, I think that's the part that blows my mind. At every Is instance. that this Batman is not super. I said it in the theatrical cut, and I'll yeah. say it now. He is not super, and this movie reminds you of that. So many times. And They're it's like, one of those things where I think it helps the character that much more, because whenever you watch a, a Batman movie, you're just like, it's fucking Batman. Yeah. He's got his name on the title. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's going to be fine. This is Justice League. That, he could die. He could die. He could and go. this Batman here is saying- I don't have any superpowers. I'm rich. That's yeah. all I have going That's for it. me. And my butler is really good at making tech for me. Right. And even in the scene where they rescue Silas Stone, he's kind of lame. He's yeah. just kind of jumping around. Everyone else is doing all the work, and he's just kind of organizing the work. Right. He's right. more or less like the foreman of the group. He isn't doing much. <laughs> he's supervising. Yeah. He's just like, he's you go there. You not do this. super. He is Mortal. I will. I'll, I'll use nothing special. Use my grappling hook to get at like two or three parademons while you guys just destroy everything. Exactly. I think that this Batman here, this is a really good interpretation of Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This is an appropriate interpretation of Batman. Appropriate's the right word. When you lay out the way that it should go, where you have this damn near immortal Amazon woman, this super speed man, yeah. this Aquaman, this Superman, this Batman. Yeah. He's the weakest of the bunch. One of these things is not like the other. Damn. And it's Batman. Which is wild. It is wild because he is considered like one of the all-stars he's of the, the whole group. The upper echelon. He is probably top two. Yeah. And, and with yes. Superman. <laughs> yeah. If these if these six characters got into a brawl, Batman's the first one dead. Without a doubt he is. The caveat there being without planning. Without planning. <laughs> a spontaneous brawl between the six of them. Batman's not making it out. Right. Spontaneity. That's what's going to kill him one day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have enough time to detect. Truman Burbank. <laughs> Might be spontaneous. Batman one day. <laughs> he had his chance. He did. In Batman Forever, and he did not do it. Riddle me this. Exactly. Cyborg finally heads to the reactor to try to separate those boxes, while the Flash starts running laps to get his speed just up. He's doing circles. He's, He's just like, running like crazy. He's like, I got to run really fast so I can push Cyborg into the, the Unity. Meanwhile, Superman goes to see Alfred. Which I love. It's great. And he's like, uh, Master Kent, you want some tea? That's what he does. <laughs> uh, presumably, Alfred's like, yeah, they're in Russia. 
Go to Russia. Go to Russia. Right now. Master Wayne said you'd come. Right, and avoid the red sun. Yeah, look out. <laughs> what a time to introduce. That would be. It would be out of left field. Completely out of left style. field. <laughs> but it might might do some work for, for the universe. It might. It won't. Aquaman and Wonder Woman fight Steppenwolf while Cyborg engages the unity. Basically, he stands in front of it and goes, Barry, I'm ready. That's it. That's engaging the unity. Right, and Barry keeps yelling, Victor, you ready? That's <laughs> <laughs> what Cyborg goes, I'm ready, yeah. but they're just not communicating. I don't know what this is They're comms or, it takes I don't know. so long. It's, all right, on one, three, two. Ah, Steppenwolf is attacking me now. <laughs> Maybe don't count down. You don't need to count down. Just he's, do it. He's super speed. You can say now, and he'll be there. Right. Steppenwolf manages to break away from Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and he attacks Cyborg. But as he's bringing that axe down, Superman shows up. I love it. Superman just intercepts so the much. blow of the axe, and he's like, not impressed. Oh, God, it's such a good line, It's too. so good. And then he proceeds to kick Steppenwolf's ass all up and down the reactor. <laughs> he does. And I like how he like, pins him down, and he's just kind of punching just him whenever he feels like it. Just whack, whack. It's Superman great. Superman is kicking the shit out of Steppenwolf. Yeah. And meanwhile, Cyborg is like, Barry, whenever you're ready. And then Barry gets tripped by a lucky parademon sniper. That parademon sniper? Give him all the bars he wants. That is Seriously. Like an expert sniper. That is the Barry Pepper of parademons. It's it's unreal. I don't even know how he could have. I don't know. You know what? At that speed, if you just fire, maybe you'll get lucky. Yeah, maybe. He's going so fast that you got to actually he's like a almost pretty good shot. Always at that spot. Right. Okay, I could see that. But anyway, Barry loses all of his momentum, and also he's been shot. So he's I wouldn't like, say he loses all of his momentum. He falls. He falls. He stops running, and he gets shot in the side, and he's like, "Oh boy." Uh, all right, it's going to take me a couple seconds to recoup from this. Right, and then he starts talking to a dog because he starts saying, heal, heal. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he's just talking to his own dumb he's, body. He's talking saying, to, his, heal, to heal. his wound. <laughs> yeah. A tunnel to Apocalypse opens, and Darkseid's sitting there like, all right, is it time? I heard you got all the mother boxes. I don't know what he's waiting for. I, don't I have no either. clue. He's just kind of hanging out. I don't know what the unity has to do with Darkseid's overall mission. On one side of portal. I have no clue. He's just like, all right, I'm going to hang out on this portal, and... For some reason, he's waiting for the terraforming to be complete. I don't know what that's about. I don't either. But the mother boxes unite. It happens. They're, bam, together. They did it. And they start terraforming the Earth. The yes, they do. The Justice League has failed. They've completely lost. So Barry needs to break his rule. Barry's like, all right, I got I to gotta run faster than the speed of light, like way faster than the speed of light. I have to turn back time and help Cyborg before the mother boxes unite. And then he does. He does. He he runs so fast that you see the Earth unterraforming at his feet as he runs towards Cyborg. You see Superman's body reform next to where the mother boxes exploded. Like you see his bones. It's really cool. I like it. It is very cool. But I like how Barry is running super super fast. And we have a Facebook comment about this. It's our good buddy Nick. You've heard him on a few episodes now. He asks, why does the Flash run with his arms swooping forward like a weird sloth? <laughs> he does do that. Like, there had to be money available to reshoot that. It's so distracting. <laughs> and he's not wrong. It's a stylistic choice. Uh, actually, Ezra Miller said that he based his running style on speed skaters. And it makes sense. Yeah. Apollo Anton Flash. Who knew? As we all know. Who knew? The part that gets me is that, again, he's running so fast. And that he's it's terraforming the earth behind him. 
that it is slow motion once again. Yeah. But I do like the conversation that he has with himself because it is kind of that heroic conversation yeah. that you would have, your your own private monologue. How he says, you're living in the past, it's time to write your own future, or something along those something lines. Like Let's just call it Flashpoint. Let's just say you're setting up Flashpoint so fucking heavily. <laughs> That's what it is. But it is pretty damn good. It is. Ezra Miller gets to have his moment. He absolutely. I like that each member of the Justice League gets to have a moment. Unlike in the original theatrical cut, where like no one has their no moment one has for the a most moment, part. And, it's very and this weird. one everybody like like you have Wonder Woman's moment in the beginning of the movie with the the bank. bomb and the right. bank and and yeah, it's everybody has their moment to shine in this, and it's it's nice that Barry's getting his because between Cyborg and Flash, the last movie, whew. yeah, <laughs> Barry makes it to Cyborg, pushes him into the into the mother boxes into the Unity, and now Cyborg is inside the Unity as himself, and he sees his parents, and he sees his human self in front of him. And now it's time for Cyborg's moment. Oh, man, Ray fucking Fisher. Ray fucking Fisher. <laughs> but it real lightly. His human self and his parents offer him the chance to be whole again and to not be alone. To which Cyborg replies, I'm not broken, and I'm not alone. And he tears apart the three of them because they are the mother boxes. They are, and he calls over Superman to even help him do it. Yes, to make as sure he's, he can do it, so as that, he's pulling him apart, he's oh like, "Superman, God, it's so to good. help him come over and separate him." They pull him apart, they stop the unity, and for good measure, Aquaman impales Steppenwolf. I love that with Aquaman is the one who tried it. Steppenwolf, <laughs> I love that. I don't know that he's dead yet. He's impaled. He's in pain. He's not doing well. We know that. Superman punches him towards this portal to Dark Side, and then Wonder Woman decapitates him. You know, that's a good point, actually, is if they did an autopsy on Steppenwolf, yeah. I'd be curious to know what did it. What was the cause of death? Yeah. We obviously know the beheading of him definitely- Definitely finished hard, the that's, job. That's it. Yeah. We know that that's lights out. But the the quid dent, was the, that enough? The quid dent, and then, of course- The Superman punch. The concussive blow from <laughs> Superman. Right. Uh, I don't think it matters because Steppenwolf's head falls through the portal at Darkseid's feet, and he just- Stomps he him. stomps it. He stomps he it. He crushes the thing like a grape. So now Darkseid is going to have to take care of this himself, the old-fashioned way. That's it. He's like, yeah, that's it. Get yep. an armada ready. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do this the old way, right? It's very very Thanos end of Avengers, and uh, yeah, the the portal closes and the Justice League climb out of the the nuclear reactor and they pose heroically on top of it. They do in very slow motion because. Zack Snyder. It's very slow motion. It can't be stated enough how slow this motion is. It's extremely is. slow motion. If you didn't notice the slight movements that were happening with the camera, you'd be like, Alex Ross, when did you get into the, <laughs> oh, the film industry? What a nice photo of the end of this movie. <laughs> and then we move into the epilogue. Right. The movie just kind of ends there. A father twice over. The heroes return to their homes. Victor fixes the recorder and he listens to the second part of his father's recording. Because he's a recording. tech boy, he just goes, yeah. Rup, 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 rup. He, he puts his hand on it and all of a sudden it's a it's a recorder again. And he's like, all right, now I can listen to the second part of, I can listen to Daddy Hart's message. <laughs> Perfect. Which is which will serve as the VO for this entire segment. And it works. Arthur goes and he sees Volko and Mira and he tells them that he's got to go see his father. He's like, I, I got some stuff I got to take care of. I'm going to go see my dad. Perfect. Which perfectly sets up his movie. Yes, it does. Ryan Choi is put in charge of Star Labs. Perfect again. Interesting. It's like maybe we might see an Adam in our future. 
It's likely, but not. <laughs> but not. Bruce, Diana, and Alfred look into this abandoned building to establish the Hall of Justice. I love that so much. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's got enough seating for, for six. And maybe more. And room for more. Barry lands a job with the Central City Forensics Department, and he goes and he tells Billy Crudup all about it. Billy Crudup's through the roof on this news. Yeah. His he's kid's like, going to be somebody. He's got a foot in the door. Something. <laughs> Something. I don't know. This Billy Crudup character. He's like- He definitely killed his wife. I'm convinced that he <laughs> killed his wife. Like, he's not innocent because he's out of his damn mind. He's crazy. He's like, I don't want you chasing some sort of criminal justice job because of me. And then he's like, oh, you're part of the criminal justice system. Congratulations. My kid. He's doing it. He's doing the thing. Yeah. Bruce and Clark are at the Kent farm, which uh, which has been returned to Martha Kent because Bruce bought the whole bank. Right, he uh, literally bought the farm, which is which is crazy because I figured the bank when they foreclosed on it would probably just be selling the property. But Bruce always hey, got to go a step further. Who knows? Who knows how all this works? I bought the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so like everybody's story is nice and tied up, neat with a bow, and and there's other things happening though. Other things happening in Gotham in there particular. Sure are. Lex Luthor. Played by Jesse Eisenberg. Because, yes, we're introducing new characters now. Sort of. Sort of. He was kind of in a in a scene in the intro of the movie. He was, but, I mean, he's BVS. For a hot like, second. He's just coming yeah. back, more or less. You're he is. Universe building. But at the point. same time, this is, like, the first time he's in the movie. It is the first time he's in the movie, for the most for part. For the most part. He's escaped prison, and he's left an imposter in his cell. In of his course. Place, and he's just kind of chilling on his yacht in Gotham Harbor. When he's visited by Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke, a.k.a. Joe Maganello, confirmed for Spider-Man 3. Absolutely. Lex tried to hire Slade to deal with Batman, but he's agreed to take the job for free because he's got a personal vendetta. Sure. You know, an eye for an eye kind of deal. Right. Literally. So Slade Wilson only has the one eye. He's got the yes. eye patch. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lex reveals that Bruce Wayne is Batman. I love that because, spoiler alert. That is some heavy-duty Spider-Man far-from-home shit right there. Yes. And this is three years before that or two years before that or whatever it is. It is well before it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those stakes instantly raised. Big stakes. Big stakes when when you, when you it comes to unveiling the least super superhero's right? identity to right. somebody who wants to kill him. Then we immediately move from that into some post-apocalyptic hellscape where Batman in a trench coat leads a group of ragtag team, Cyborg Flash, Deathstroke, Mira, and the Joker, played by Jared Leto, confirmed for Spider-Man 3. Of course. David, got another actual IMDb trivia fact okay. for you. Okay. This late in the game. Uh, yeah. Jared Leto is the first actor since Cesar Romero to portray the Joker more than once in live action. Holy shit, that's correct. Yeah. That is an actual. That's an actual great actual fact. fact. Yeah, I love that. It's wild. I also love how in this scene you do get the same exact look as the nightmare scene in BVS. Yes, he's Therefore, wearing the same. This is a nightmare scene. I think I need to put that as the disclaimer for the scene up front. Okay. Instead of at the end. Sure. So that I could put the scene in perspective. Yeah. Carry on. Mira questions who Batman has ever loved, which really gets Joker laughing pretty hard. It does, and this is a different Joker in a lot of ways. This is not Suicide Squad Joker. This is, it's got less tats, he's, yeah, for he's, sure. He's definitely 
caked on the makeup so you can't see the tattoos. But this is Jared Leto's Joker. Yes. From Suicide Squad. Yes. Reined in, which is terrifying. Reined in in some ways and ramped up in others. I think it's wonderful choices. It's it's very interesting. And this is the Joker that a lot of people wanted from Jared Leto. Oh, absolutely. Joker, you shouldn't be able to figure out what he's all about. He should be unpredictable and, and maniacal. And here yes. he is. We finally got one from Jared Leto. Joker gets real antagonistic talking about Robin, which makes Batman so mad. Yeah, especially for a character we haven't met yet. For a character that <laughs> that we know is dead from BVS. Yeah, but if we haven't met this character. All we know is he's dead from BVS. We have literally nothing else besides that. All we have is that he his suit is on display in That's the Batcave with the word ha spray painted all That's over it. That's it, though. We know Joker killed Robin. But there's nothing else. That's nothing. That's a throwaway in all of this. It should have hit really hard in BVS, and it doesn't. And it's because we never knew the character. Well, no, it's, it's not supposed of... to hit yet in BVS. It's saving up for the emotional reveal later on because you know how Zack Snyder works. Uh, you're right. <laughs> Fine. You're right. But it doesn't land then. It doesn't land now. Uh, I, it landed here for me. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's another part that lands for me coming up, but keep going. Joker knows Batman can't kill him because he needs him for his mission. And the whole reason that this whole mission exists is because Batman let Lois die. Right. And Joker is just going to really hone in on that. Like, oh, yeah, you you sent a boy wonder to do a man's job. Yes. Just being so, so. Oh, just, he's just rubbing uh, it in. That's what he does. Joker offers Bruce a truce. And this is the part that got me. This is mind-blowing here. He hands him a Joker playing card and says, as long as you have that card, we're on the same team. We I have a love truce. that so much because it's just a playing card. Right. It means nothing. Damn near nothing. Yeah. I love that. I love that you put a symbol to a truce that may or may not be there again. You keep that weird gray area between them, oh, the entire scene. That is just fucking beautiful. Yeah. Batman tells Joker that he's going to honor Harley Quinn's dying wish, that he kill the Joker slowly. And you better believe I'm going to fucking kill you. He dropped a fucking. There. Batman has dropped a fucking. Batman with the F-bomb. And then Superman finds them. And the team goes on the offensive because Superman's the bad guy now and Bruce Wayne wakes up. I want to talk about that scene because on the internet, many of people said that it is possibly the best Batman and Joker scene <sighs> to which that's my reaction. Yeah. Fact, is an exasperated. <sighs> the newness of it is having a, a big effect on how you feel about it for sure. Right. And also comic book writer who I am a huge fan of Dan Slott. Yeah. He even. Well, he's been railing against Justice League for forever. He's just <laughs> never going to be a fan no matter what. Yeah. When you bash something so hard leading up to it, and then you're just like, I'll give it a shot. It's like, no, you're not going to fucking give it a shot. <laughs> it means you're going to become part of the culture. You want to just understand what's there so that you can defend your own statements. You're looking for some sort of validation to your own statements. I don't know what it is. Sure. But even he said, he's like, Batman swearing, a lot of people thought was real cool. He's like, it makes the character look weak. It doesn't give him strength. And I went, that is the fucking point, <laughs> is that this Batman yeah. is not a strong character. Right. This Batman is acting purely on faith because he's questioning everything that he did in BVS. Exactly. And he's trying to right a mistake that he did in BVS. And you actually give validation to the character, finally. Yeah. This is a full, fleshed-out character yeah. of Batman. And he proves it when he turns to, to Deathstroke, and, and Deathstroke's like, you still glad you brought this guy along? He's like, what do you think? 
It's like, no, no, of he's not he happy. Want he Joker understands there. what he has to do in exactly. order to complete the mission, if you will, in yeah. order to get the job done. But this is not a strong Batman. No, and he's definitely not sure of himself. Right, and and the fact that someone says "fucking" in a dream sequence, like who gives a <laughs> shit? That's nothing. This is in a dream sequence. Me and Gal Gadot, we're running off into the sunset together, man. (laughs) (laughs) They're not real. The word fucking is going to get used. It might. (laughs) It's interesting that you're harping on this being a dream sequence. It is. Because this is now a dream sequence that has spanned two movies and two different characters. The same dream. Which means it's not just a dream. And that is even more interesting. Yeah. It's something that I wish would get realized. And we'll get there. We we will get there. When Bruce wakes up, he hears somebody outside of his his weird little uh, glass modern lakeside abode, and he goes to his porch deck sure. area his that rich people have flat area. And the Martian Manhunter shows up, and he tells Bruce that he's here to help defend the Earth against Darkseid. Should they ever get a sequel, I love it so much because it's more Martian Manhunter, more Martian Manhunter, and he's great. He's great. But that, that's the movie, is Zack Snyder's Justice League. We finally did it. We did it. We did it. We made it through. <laughs> that is a sprint. Whew. Brian. Yeah. I unabashedly love this movie. I know. I think it's fucking terrific. Yeah. I think that the characters are finally fleshed out. They're I very well realized. That you took what was a good story with Justice League, an okay movie as you called it, and you built on it. You filled in a lot of the plot holes. Oh, yeah. You had plenty of time to do it. You had more than enough time to do it. <laughs> but this is a... Full-fledged movie. Like, this thing here- Oh, absolutely. Absolutely works on every single level. Whether you like it or not, doesn't change the fact that this here is the fully realized vision of Zack Snyder. Yes, to the that point where- the goal. To the point where it's longer than the original fully realized vision I, of I Zack Snyder. I wonder if that was because of what Joss Whedon, the horrible, horrible racist, did to this movie, <laughs> is that- when he did his movie, you see all the plot holes, and we talked about it in our episode. Yes, there's absolutely. so many plot holes, and there's so many things that don't line up that I feel like Zack Snyder had to kind of fill in some spots yeah. in order to make this thing work. Well, that's interesting because both Deborah and Zack Snyder have said that they only filmed five additional minutes of new footage, and Which they is were not a lot. And it was all, as far as I can tell, part of that new nightmare sequence. A lot of it was new nightmare stuff because. Yeah. Every actor that you saw there came back, Mm -hmm. which is amazing to hear because, I mean, Ben Affleck has not been Batman in three years at that point. Right. And you know Ben Affleck, he probably had to do some serious working out to get back into that cowl. He's not in shape, (laughs) historically. So there you go. It makes me question, where does the DC Universe go from here? Where do we go from here? And that's a loaded question because we have an answer. As of yesterday, Variety did an interview with Warner Media Studios CEO Ann Sarnoff, and she told us exactly where we go from here. And do you want to know what Zack Snyder's Justice League did for their vision going forward? What? Nothing. Yeah, that's um the impression I got reading that article because I read the same article, um, was that we did what we needed to do to finish Zack Snyder's run and and to satisfy these fans. But now we're going to go back to doing what we were doing since Joss Whedon's Avengers came, or since Joss Whedon's Justice League came out. It's funny because a lot of people are now saying, restore the Snyder universe. Yeah. And it makes me wonder where that could even go, because this is a director who was so wronged. Yeah. Like, I can't even 
Yeah, like it's explain how wronged this man was. Yeah. That 90% of his film was just gone. And then he put it all together and people like it. Right. And even the people who don't like it say like at least it's a more it's, complete it's movie. Better like it's than better. The fir- yeah. Even for as long as it is, it's a better movie. I mean, I I feel like you'd be hard pressed not to improve when you have that much time to do it. Right. But but and Sarnoff even went on to say that we have a plan. We want to try to tie in the television shows with the movies, and we want to do the video games mixed with all this stuff as well. It's like, I get what you're going for. Yeah. I was confused. It's a very confusing thing. But it's one of the things is that like DC, their bread and butter for a long time was their CW stuff. Yeah. And it's because Greg Berlanti is on a level that Kevin Feige's at. Absolutely. On television production. Like, I, I don't even say that to... Like kiss his ass. It's he's that good. The like, interconnection he's doing so many between things those that are shows just phenomenal is impressive. But the thing that Ann Sarnoff's doing, she came on board two years ago, right after the Justice League debacle. Yeah, she's saying we want to tie all this stuff together because Marvel's doing it with the whole Disney Plus shows and yeah. the streaming and tying this all together. It's like because they worked for it. Yeah, they the, earned it. That's where she loses me because she's saying that no, we're we're done. We're satisfied with Zack Snyder's vision. We want everything to tie together, though. So, like, we're going to be done with this, but we're also going to try to tie everything to it. But and that makes that no doesn't sense make to any me. sense at all. It's one yeah. of those things of you finally have a jumping off point. Now jump right. But the fact is that they're trying to, as you said, shoehorn this universe together. Where Marvel had to work, yes, for twelve years in order to even get a television show off the ground to make it tie in canonically because Age of S.H.I.E.L.D., we still don't know if it's canonical or not. Right. It was canonical for like two seasons, and then we're like, uh, Right. Maybe. But now you had the Whedon cut come out, and now you have the Snyder cut, and everybody operating underneath the DC umbrella, like Patty Jenkins. Yes, Patty Jenkins. And James Wan, they're saying, Whedon cut, not canonical. Right. It right. doesn't exist they, in our they minds. They both claim, like, uh, we only worked with Zack Snyder when working on continuity between movies. Exactly. And that blows my mind because now Ann Sarnoff's coming in saying, we don't want to put in the work. We just want the same result, which is complete fucking bullshit and right. laziness. Right. This is how you take a good property and ruin it. Yeah. You finally have this this full four-hour jumping point that already sets up all these different plot lines that you can chase and you can introduce. Like, I know they say they want to do, like, cameos here and there and do this and, and have this person show up in this series and this video game character do this and... You could tie it all together, but why not use what you already have here with this four-hour cut that people like and is a, is a great character study in these characters that you're going to continue. I mean, you still have another Aquaman movie coming out. You still have the Flash movie coming out. They're based on these characters. Why wouldn't you? Well, even more so, you have Shazam coming out. Yeah. And you have Black Adam coming out. And the problem with those movies, I think, is the biggest problem with Warner Brothers having the DC rights is because when you look at Shazam, it's about a kid who says the word Shazam and becomes a, a big boy. Yeah. It's going to be three years later. Guess what's going to happen to Asher Angel? He's, He's going to be, be three adult. years older. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they didn't act on this as quickly as they did, and it's weird because when they did Harry Potter, they tried to pace those movies out to kind of accommodate the growth of the kids as they went through it. Right. It's weird they didn't do that for the DC Universe. It's one of those things of, Make sense. Make sense of what you're doing creatively, because yeah. now it doesn't make any sense. Your roadmap is broken. It is non-existent. Yeah. I don't think it's broken. No. At this point, she's like, the the vibe I got from the, from the article was, we want everything connected, but we want to just kind of wait until it's done and then see how we can connect it. Right. Go read the Variety article. It'll make you fume, to yeah. put it lightly. Yeah. 
I have a question for you, and it does come from Facebook, and it's our good buddy Jerry D. Oh. From Totally Rad Christmas. He says the Snyder version is better. Yes. But is either cut worthy of these iconic characters, and does either film make the DCEU better? <laughs> and that Ooh, that's a good is question. a million-dollar question. <laughs> that's a very good question. It's a different take on Batman, for sure. And I'm going to start with Batman, because he's been in the most of them. Or no, he hasn't. I guess Superman's been in the most of them, even though he's been dead in two of them. Right. Uh, dead in uh, one and a half of them. Yeah. I feel like the Superman works as it's still a different interpretation of Superman, but it's a more modern interpretation, and I, I'm okay with it. Batman is totally different. But is that a bad thing? No, not necessarily. I, I like the Flash. I, I love the Cyborg. So, and Aquaman is a, a complete reimagining. Um, re- it has to be imagining because original Aquaman, nobody, nobody has respects. any respect for. Right. And Wonder Woman is so good. She's so so good. And if we're going just on Wonder Woman. No, these movies don't improve the DCEU. I agree. I think that these I think are just kind of they're fine representations of the characters. Yeah, they but I don't are, think they improve. But I don't think the they universe. set up anything either because obviously the intention was set up, but it feels like one of those like a one year deal with a baseball player or something like that of like what are you going to get out of them? Yeah, you don't know. You're kind yeah. of going to wait and see. You're going to wait and see. You're going to wait and see, and eventually you're going to pull the plug. Right. That's simple as that. And I feel like at this some is point the they're going to be like, plug. well, uh, maybe we don't finish up this dark side storyline. Maybe we don't even start the dark side storyline. Yeah. <laughs> because we do see a shot of dark side walking off with Granny Goodness saying, let's get them all together. Let's get this thing going. It's like, you should have a dark side war after this. Yeah. But we're never going to get that. No. So, Jerry D., thank you for breaking us. <laughs> Everybody go listen to Totally Rad Christmas. But even I'm going back to even just thinking about what you just said about how this is a different interpretation of Superman. It's a different interpretation of Batman. Those are big two. The biggest two. Yeah. They are the biggest two. There is no bigger two in comic books. No, no. There is not. I think your number three is Spider-Man. Spider-Man without a doubt. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people did not like this version of Superman. And a lot of people did not like this version of Batman. People are going to judge these things based on what they are, though, no matter right, what. Right, right. And there's been a video going around on the internet of Stan Lee. It was a TikTok video asking, well, I guess someone asked him who would win in a fight between Spider-Man and the thing. I know you saw this video. Yeah. What was his answer? Whoever the writer wants to win. Exactly. And he goes on to say, these are fictitious characters (laughs) and the writer can do whatever they want with them. Whoever the writer wants to win will win. If Spider-Man wins, that's who the writer wanted. If the thing wins, that's what the writer wanted. Yeah. These characters are all up for interpretation. Absolutely. And I think that is one of my favorite things about watching even this version. Because there's an old saying where if you give a good director a good script, he's going to make a good movie. Mm -hmm. If you give a good director a bad script, he's not going to make a good movie. The thing about this movie here, though, is that... You have a good director, Zack Snyder, is a very competent filmmaker, and you have Joss Whedon, who's a very competent filmmaker, and you give him the same script. Mm-hmm. You get two different things very divergent. out of it. Yeah. And I think this would be a good lead into Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm not going to ask you what you thought, because oh, I'm going to tell God. you what both movies did. Okay. Because the Whedon cut was 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It was rotten. Yeah. Audience score is 71%. That is out of 100,000 plus ratings. Wow. Zack Snyder's Justice League is over two hours longer. (laughs) I'm looking at the time, and I love it. 
It is fresh at 73%. Okay, yeah. Audience score of 25,000 plus ratings, 96%. Wow. I don't think that says anything about the quality of the movie. I think it says- The the fervency of the fandom? The validation. Yeah. Show me the Snyder cut. Yeah. We know what was going to happen. We know that that's the true thing that we need to see. That's true vision. And here it is. And here it is. This movie is a justification of vision, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Is when someone has a plan and they stick to that plan, good things happen. Right. And when you tried to throw a wrench into that system just to make it a little more lighthearted or quote unquote audience friendly. Yeah. It's not going to work. When you bring in a pile of shit to lighten the tone. Exactly. (laughs) People like this Justice League movie quite a bit. Yeah. There's another cut coming. Yes, there is. (laughs) According to Zack Snyder, a black and white version of the film called Justice is Gray is on the way and will contain an alternate ending. Which is exciting. Yeah. Why not? Because at this point, milk it. HBO's loving it. They absolutely are. Because <laughs> all it's doing is giving them more content to attract more viewers. Exactly. And it's not costing them anything to do another No, time. not at all. Oh, you just want to redo it in black and... Yeah. Yeah, fine. Whatever works Do you want to rearrange it into a different order and re-release it again? Because we're, we're here yeah, for do it. do this all you want. This could be your life from now on, Zach. Have a good time. <laughs> just do a different cut every year. <laughs> Critically... Again, I said that this movie, Rotten Tomatoes, 70%, which means people like it. Yes. There are some who don't. That's expected. Yes. DCEU is divisive, if nothing else. For sure. There's a toxic fandom that exists. We all know that. Yeah. Roger Ebert did not see Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, see, that's upsetting. Well, it doesn't start streaming in heaven until 2022. I don't know what to tell you. Bold of you to assume that's where he is. I, it is bold of me, but <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give it to him. All right. We're all in a good good place right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you know about the good place. I, spoilers. Spoilers. But his good buddy, Richard Roper, did see this movie. Oh, okay. And he says, is this an improvement over the more straightforward and much shorter original? Not to this reviewer, though I was in the minority who actually enjoyed the 2017 film. Oh, okay. A lot of these reviews are the longer is not better. A lot. Interesting. I mean, I don't think longer... Just by being longer makes it better. No, I think the- It's the content. Content is definitely what makes it better. Yeah. Filling in the gaps is what makes it better. The fact that there had to be two additional hours to make Joss Whedon's vision- To revive all those astronauts. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Johnny Oleksinski from the New York Post. Of course. He says, DC should change its initials to DGAF. Oh no. <laughs> I like that one quite a bit. That's rough. It is rough. He obviously didn't like he gave it one out of four. It's brutally honest is, is what he's doing there. Yeah. Um yeah. it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Especially when you get to four hours. Like if you don't like it, you're not gonna like it for four hours. That's such a long time not to like it and for. And that's gonna make you hate it. Without a doubt. So yeah, I mean I at that point all you can hope for is that Robert Pattinson's the Batman revives the universe for you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> How do you think Ben Affleck feels knowing that Robert Pattinson's going to grow up into him one day? Maybe. Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. How do you think Robert Pattinson feels knowing he's going to grow up to be Ben Affleck? That's a good point, actually. <laughs> Richard Lawson from Vanity Fair, he says, watching Snyder's intermittently rewarding epic, if nothing else, a spectacle of completed vision, yep. stirred up surprising emotions. 
Ah, surprising emotions. I was surprised at my emotions. I was too. Wasn't expecting much out of this movie. And no. boom, emotions. And there were a couple times where I was like, oh my God, Martha, Lois, you guys are, oh, you ruined it. They didn't though. <laughs> I mean. I think they enhanced it. Okay. You don't think so? No. Why? Because the whole point of that scene was that they are the only two people who are sharing this pain. And then you find out that one of those people isn't that person. Right. It's because he wants to get Lois on the path to start living her life again, to get her back out there, because Lois is the key to something that we're never going to get to. Oh, cool. So you're right. right. Doesn't ruin it at all. No, for the sake of this movie, it doesn't. When you look at it in a 2017 No, no, no. For, for, the sake, for, for the sake of the universe, it doesn't. For the sake of this movie, it absolutely does. All right, maybe, if that's the <laughs> argument you're going to use, that extremely good argument that you're going to use, if that's what you're going to go with, then yes. But I think that there's a grander vision. That's what I'm trying to keep oh, focused of course. on. I mean, that's absolutely Zack Snyder had a grander vision. Right. We already know that he had two more films planned. Absolutely. And the last true I have is from Ty Burr from the Boston Globe. He says, still a major improvement when all is said and done, and Snyder has conclusively proved his point. Yes. Oh, it's definitely a mic drop for Snyder. Oh my God, this is actually one of the biggest mic drops I'm going to say in cinematic history, just because <laughs> yeah. of the lore that existed behind Release the Snyder Cut, because of the internet it's campaign insane. that went on behind it, that he came out and he delivered this hard on yeah. something that he said he had. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's an interesting thing too, the the lore behind it, behind the hashtag Release the Snyder there Cut. There is so much lore behind it. It's, it's a lot. And it became a nerddom thing that is almost... On the scale of Han shot first. Absolutely. I mean, it's It's huge to the point where they were taking out advertising space to target WB executives to release this cut before they knew it existed. That's amazing. Based on faith, like Batman, they were like, all right, it's Zack Snyder. We know he did a director's cut for Man of Steel. We know he did a director's cut for Batman vs. Superman. We know based on just a little over 10 years ago that WB has a precedent in releasing director's cuts of Superman movies based on the Donner cut. They do, but also at the same time, it was not hidden at all. This movie had production issues, and oh, that absolutely. 90% of this movie was done, and then Joss Whedon came on and did 90% of this movie. That was not hidden at all. No, no. So, yeah, it's understandable where this movement came from, where it went was a little problematic. I agree. And it's weird because this is kind of in a weird year. I think it's a year at least where movies got new directors because even when you look at Solo on the Disney end of it. Yeah. You have Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah. Who had done a lot of the movie and then left for creative differences. And then Ron Howard is brought on and it's an entirely different movie. It's a very different movie. It is also a Frankenstein movie. It is, and that's kind of what the Weeding Cut was. And noticeably so. Like, you can watch Solo and know who directed oh, what it parts. Oh, it is not hidden at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that Joss did a better job of hiding it, especially with the recoloring of scenes that, that Snyder had already produced. But then Zack Snyder came around But then Zack Snyder again. was like, no. He just completely owned this movie. Yeah. This is his movie. And he hasn't even seen the theatrical cut. You know what? Good for him. Because his wife lovingly said, don't see it. You'll be upset. Fair enough. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> also, Christopher Nolan told him the same thing. Don't don't see it. Hey, filmmakers protecting their own. Yeah. Also, fuck Joss Whedon, the horrible, horrible racist. <laughs> Got him. That's all the reviews I had that at least I pulled. 
There are obviously a ton of them. No Amazon one stars. Obviously. Why obviously. would there be? Let's give this thing a super stuff. Let's do it. Story and motivation. I like the story quite a bit. It's definitely a more fully realized story. Right. I'm going to go fewer holes. 0.75 for the story. Yeah. The motivation, I think, is the really interesting part because it's there. Yeah. That's all that really needs to be On the villain there. side and the hero side. And I think that's the interesting part about it. I'm going to go full-blown one. I think it's a full one. Wow. Heroes. There's a lot. There's a lot. They do save the day. They save the day. I really like how one of them is acting on faith, and it's not the one you'd expect. It's the farthest from the one you'd expect. I like how they come together as a team. Yeah. I like how each member has identifies their as a team, and they all have their moment. They do save the day. They do. And it's not like it's just one of them saving the day. Each each person has a part in saving the day. I'm going to go one. I think it's a one. Because each one does have their own part. Villain. Steppenwolf Henchy. Steppenwolf is Henchy. He wasn't in 2017 because he was the big bad. Right. But he had no motivation. Now he has motivation, but he's been demoted to Hench. Right. But he is also kind of the villain throughout this entire thing. Yeah. With just Darkseid being the overarching villain. Right. He is. And he's imposing. He is very imposing. And I even like how Wonder Woman says, like, I've never seen anyone fight like that. I've never seen anyone that strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's insane, and he throws horses, which I really like. He loves throwing horses. I'm curious what we gave the villain in Guardians of the Galaxy, because Ronan is the same kind of thing. He's the villain for the movie, but Thanos is the one pulling the strings. It's a very similar situation. It is a very similar situation. You can argue that for a lot of Phase 3. Guardians is Phase 2, and Thanos is in the movie, so it's a little different. Ah, uh, Fair. I would say that for this, because Darkseid is in this movie. Yes. And he does have his own purpose and his own mission. I'm going to go 0.75. I want to say 0.5. I will agree with you there, too. All right. I was going to do a dirty 0.75, but yeah. Darkseid's I saw the dirty. itself I don't think is realized, because he no. could just go to Earth. I he don't could. know why he doesn't. There's no reason for him to be holding out the way he right. is. Just so you know, we gave a 0.25 to Guardians of the Galaxy for villain. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Teamwork. It's heavy teamwork, because it has to be. Eventually. Eventually. It takes them a long time to get there. I mean, especially because you're starting without... The team is not assembled at first. There is no team. There's no team at the beginning of this. And one by one, we're bringing characters in, but like Aquaman immediately says no. Cyborg says no. Flash is on board immediately, immediately. and that's great. And so is Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman and, and Batman already have a relationship. Those need to have their own reasons for doing it, not just for Batman's right. reasons for doing it, but which then, I like. They're even, their own characters. Even once they come together, there's infighting. As there always will be whenever you have any of these scenarios. Right, right. But uh, to, to the point where, like, Aquaman, while they're dropping the mother box, Aquaman's like, abort, and Batman's like, no. And there's like, they're not on You're the right. same page for a lot of You're it. You're absolutely right. Um, and then Superman comes to life, and he fights everybody, and that's fun. So I don't even hate that. And he's not really Superman yet. So I don't know. I'm in a I'm weird place with this one. 0.5 max. I think that's fair. I'll go 0.5. They do eventually like come together and work very well together. Yeah. It's a dirty 0.5. But it's like, 0.5. it's like three and a half hours in they yeah. do it. <laughs> fair. We waited long enough. 0.5. Female characters. Wonder Woman is so fucking good Wonder all the time. Wonder Woman is amazing all the time. Lois? Lois is in the movie for a second. Martha? Yep, she's, well, no, she's a Martian Manhunter <laughs> for most of the time she's in the movie. I'm going to go .75. I think that it cannot be a full-blown one, uh, it feels, unfortunately. That feels dirty, .75, but Wonder Woman is so good that I'm going to allow it. Know what? No, 
I'm going to go full-blown one because Themyscira, they fight their asses off. You're right. They absolutely do. They lose, but they fight their asses off. They do. They even drop their own temple into the sea they in do. order to try to save what they're fighting yeah, for. Yeah, they kill a bunch of women. They fridge a bunch of women right there in that they really scene, don't do. they? They really do. so good. <laughs> I, I, it's such a cool visual. It when is. When you realize what's happening, it is so well done. I'm going to go one. And Mira kicks a lot of ass, too. Mira does kick ass. Let's give it a one. I'll allow it. Setting. We are all over the place. We are. Gotham doesn't really have a feel to it. Gotham has no, no, there's nothing to Gotham. It could be any city. Metropolis and Gotham, you can barely tell the difference between. The mascara, I like. I like the mascara, but it's- green field though for the most part it's there's nothing less stylized than you you get with wonder woman yeah apocalypse and... i don't think is anything no it's just a room oh boy uh, uh i don't like it i'm gonna go 0.25 max i do like star labs star labs is fine it's got great but it's a lab they're, they're I mean, very clean grates. <laughs> very clean they the grates are so clean it's great 0.25 because i also do like the yeah. superman memorial where the fight happens of course That's i like nice. that that it's at this point, it's been broken for a long time, but they're just leaving the head there. They're like, fuck it. It's still a exactly. memorial. Exactly. Style and tone. I want to start at one. Okay. And my reasoning for that is we saw the Whedon cut. Yep. And we saw the Snyder cut. Yep. And it added both style and tone. It absolutely did. Um, wanna... But when you start from nothing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I want to talk about Zack Snyder for a second okay. because it's one of those things that a lot of people get on Zack Snyder for. What do you think the biggest thing people get on Zack Snyder for? Slow is? motion. Exactly. And what's amazing about slow motion that Zack Snyder uses, you do not see that in Dawn of the Dead. You do not. His version of it, you do not. Right. He really started doing it heavy in 300. In 300. Like ridiculously heavy. Yeah. But for the most part, a film is done at two speeds. You have your real time, what's going on on the screen. Yeah. And then through editing, you might be able to speed up what's happening. So you kind of have a bit of a quicker pace to it. Yeah. Zack Snyder is constantly operating at three speeds. Minimum. Exactly. But the thing about what he's doing at three speeds is that he turns the uninteresting parts of a film into interesting parts of a film. Right. Because most of the time... And this is just a weird thing I noticed in this, where you see like the briefcase flying up in the air, and he suddenly goes slow motion. You see the the cheeseburger dropping to the ground, and it's suddenly slow motion. These are insert shots. He's adding suspense. I wouldn't even call it that. This is the stuff that is just kind of nothing. Like I remember doing insert shots on Wolf of Wall Street, and we brought in a different director entirely to do it. Yeah, like B real stuff. And Zack Snyder is stylizing. Every single second of this film. And he does it with all of his films. Yeah. Filmmaking is not just brushed over. You are stuck with this movie and you are making this movie. You know every single second. Yeah. Every single second of every film is a choice. And he is focused, hyper focused on every detail. Absolutely. Down to the aspect ratio. This was done in 4 3. As per Zack Snyder's vision. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I was saving it, but that is the first thing that we see on the screen. Brian, I'm going to go two. Two? Do you know why he went 4-3? I do not. Uh, it has a lot to do with shooting with IMAX cameras. Um, that I absolutely do. <laughs> because on BVS, yeah. they shot a lot of IMAX 
scenes, and then when they played in IMAX, the regular the whole movie was widescreen except for they until they got to the right. IMAX it's a noticeable difference where it goes full height on right. the IMAX screen and it has this impact. And Zack Snyder said his intent for this movie was to have the entire film play in the gigantic four three aspect ratio on the giant IMAX screen because superheroes tend to be as figures they tend to be less horizontal. Maybe Superman when he's flying. But when he's standing, he's more vertical, and everything is composed and shot that way. And a lot of the restoration is sort of trying to put that back. So you get these big squares, and it's a completely different aesthetic, and it changes the feel of the movie. It does. And the thing about it like that is that you notice it for the first few scenes, and then you don't notice it. Yeah, and then you're just in. You're in. And it's like, I didn't even realize, oh, there's black bars on the sides. Who right. cares? I'm standing by my two. I'm going to allow it. And you know what? It feels dirty, but not because of this movie, but because of how much we've ripped on Zack Snyder in the I past. I think that's very fair. He's visually, he knows how to put together a shot. He is a Visual, master. St- he's a master of style and tone. Absolutely. Is what he is. Uh, story, uh, hit or miss. Exactly. Style and tone, he absolutely nails. And I still, to this day, 300 has not aged well, but it's still a phenomenal looking movie. It looks great. So, absolutely. Um, and like what you were saying with the different speeds, the way he did super speed in slow motion, but slower slow motion. Like I he think has it gives a lot to the character at that point. He has two different levels of of slow motion happening in these slow motion shots. Because right. You have super slow motion for the the world, and then just slow motion for the flash, and then you have lightning bolts going by in regular speed. It's it's that just, right there is just a magic trick. It's amazing. So yes, two granted. Music, Junkie XL. He also did BVS, right? He did BVS. Um, he did BVS with Hans Zimmer, though. Jesus, that's a duo. Yeah, I've ever um, seen one. Junkie XL has worked with Hans Zimmer a lot, and in fact, Hans Zimmer is featured on thirteen of the tracks of this movie, of which there are fifty-four. Oh my god! The soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack to this cut is fifty-four tracks. Only two of them are just like music, music, and the rest is score. That's amazing. Fifty-two tracks of score. Hans Zimmer is featured on thirteen of them. This music is very good. It's incredibly and, good. And the Hans Zimmer stuff you notice immediately because it's very Hans Zimmer. And it's a lot of Wonder Woman theme is Hans Absolutely. Zimmer is brought in. And we already know that's the best thing ever. Of course. Junkie XL, we've made jokes about because his name is Junkie XL, but he's very good. He's extremely good. He's very good. Um, we even get motifs of Danny Elfman's Batman theme in the, the Batmobile scene. We do. And it's Elfman is the one who did the Whedon cut after, exactly. the, after Whedon fired Junkie XL. Because Whedon is a goddamn racist. Exactly. It's good music. I don't even know if Junkie XL is black. He's I'm not. He's very white. Going off of Whedon <laughs> is, a, is a fucking racist. Just I can't state it enough. You, I feel like you've probably stated because it Because Ray enough. Fisher. Because Ray Fisher. Because he did Cyborg Dirty in this movie. <laughs> He really did. He completely removed him from the movie. I'm going to go one five for music. One? F- I'm, man, I want to poke a hole in that, but I can't. One-liners. Ah, there's not a lot. There's not, there's not a lot. any at all. I'm sure Alfred's got some stuff, but I can't remember it because uh, it's, it's so fresh. I'm going to go zero. It's, it's hard to know coming up. because the movie is, is so new and so fresh that we don't have time to sit with it and know what's going to be a repeated line. And I don't see anything coming from I don't know about that it. because even when we saw Shazam, I mean, right away, you knew there were one-liners. That's true. Right away. Right away. But it's a very different movie, but I, I just don't think there's anything here. Yeah. I'm going to go zero. Impact on the genre. Oh, boy. 
This is a weird one. It's so fresh, and it is unlike anything that has ever been done. Yeah. Hard stop. Exactly. It's also already been said by people at Warner Brothers, it's done, it's over. Which is insane to me. So, But do we believe them is the real question, and <sighs> we kind of have to, which is unfortunate. We believe them until they start seeing the feedback from fans. They should have seen the feedback from fans. That's right. the problem, is that the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Yes. That even the people who don't like the movie say, this is a more complete movie. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, from there, do you stand by what you already said? Like, no, this is it, we're done. Or do you go, well, I mean, we already released it because of the fans. I don't know. Why'd... Warner Brothers has a very, very weird stubbornness to them because a lot yeah. of people have been wanting the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Right. Put the kibosh on that even. Oh, God, they were like hard no on that. Which is probably because James Gunn's Suicide Squad's coming out. They don't want to confuse anything. That's fair. But- Still, but yeah, it seems like they're not interested in what was originally the plan. Yeah, so they're just gonna let this thread dangle. I'm gonna go point two five, and it's mostly because of Shazam because we did see Superman come up in Shazam. We yeah know it is the same universe. Yeah, but we don't know if it's gonna come back. But they did hint that it will come back. They they have hinted that it, it's and interconnected. That, yeah, that might be the only real thread to it. I mean, Wonder Woman went into the past. Right. So we don't even know going forward where that goes. Right. That's hard to say. We know we have an Aquaman 2 coming out. We, we know do. we have a Flash movie coming we out. We do. But how connected but we, are they to this? We have we, no idea have no clue. what the connective tissue is. It's hard to say. Let's give a 0. 0.25 0. and 25. maybe we'll come back. Something day. should be said about the impact as far as fans getting what they want. What they want. And, and you know, you know that's actually interesting because that will raise the score ultimately. Yeah, and it makes me go back to who owns the films. Yeah, is it it's, the fans or is it the studios, the right. creators, the artists? Something we talk about is. a lot. And I'm starting to fall more into this line of thinking. Marvel is owned by the studios. DC is owned by the fans. Oh, okay. And I say that because of how tight-lipped. Marvel and Disney are with everything that they do. Yeah. They make their decisions internally, constantly. They are so far ahead. They have this giant storyboard that spans a decade. Right. Whereas DC <laughs> constantly has their ear to the tracks. Yeah. And it's up to them if they lift their head or not, <laughs> realistically. Right. DC is flying from the seat of their pants and going, did we do good? What is Twitter right. saying? Oh, Twitter likes it? Let's keep going that direction. That's kind of where my head is. I see and that. I think that... When you go to impact on the genre, what impact does the fans have? Because that will impact that's that a, score. That's here. a good point. Is that is that still the impact of the movie, or is that the impact of the fans? That's more of an impact on the industry than anything. Yeah, I'm gonna go point five to bail. Okay, to be safe. No, nope, I, out of I appreciate that move actually because I didn't know where we we're gonna go from there. That's gonna give Zack Snyder's Justice League a total score of eight point two five. That is incredibly high. That's very high. That is higher than I thought it would go. And you want to know what? I'm not upset. I, I don't feel like it's undeserved. And that's saying a lot from me. That is saying a lot <laughs> from you. This is an incredibly good movie. Yeah, it is good. It's long, but it's good. When you get over the long part of it, it's broken up into six parts. Yeah. I watched it in two days, and I was like, you know what? Entertained. You could still do it. And it was fresh from having just watched it. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Zack Snyder. Full redemption for nothing. He's he's fully redeemed in the DC universe where he's done. So 
Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It'd be interesting to see if he did a Marvel movie at some point. I'd be very curious to see what that looked like. Oh God, I don't. I don't know if he would be comfortable with the amount of control Feige would let him have. That's very fair, in fact. <laughs> that has creative differences written all over it. Uh, that's putting it real lightly. <laughs> Speaking of Kevin Feige. Speaking of Kevin Feige. What are we talking about next week? Next week, we're, we're doing one that people have been just dying for because... This is a movie you have not seen. And it's been one I've taken a lot of flack for not seeing. And I told everyone, I'm not going to see it until I have to see it. And that was more just you wanted so to keep I get it fresh. fresh eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a movie that probably has not had fresh eyes on it since it came out. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> about right. Because it's a big one. We're talking about Thor Ragnarok. I'm incredibly excited. I just hope that people haven't overhyped it for you. I guarantee at least one person. <laughs> it's just it's Kevin. It's just Kevin, who's been on the show a number of times. Oh, it's the best movie ever made. Has overhyped this movie. <laughs> uh, no, you know me. Yeah. I'm going to go in right. very blank slate right. fresh eyes. Uh, I go in as a goddamn robot every every single movie we do. <laughs> I will tell you, it's very different for, in tone from the last two Thor movies. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll I'm be fun excited. To, I can't wait to see what you think of it. I'm very, very excited for this movie. This is yeah. probably... Out of the hundred, what are this? This is gonna be one hundred twenty-five. One hundred twenty-five. It's without a doubt probably top three that I've been waiting for. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Uh, I've also been waiting for it because you have not seen it. Fair and, enough. And man, there are some holes that are gonna be filled in for Infinity War for you. Really <laughs> good. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> Um, it's wild that you just brought up Infinity War because it is around the corner. It is. And that is it's crazy. The, one, the next MCU movie after we do Ragnarok. So it is, it is close. Yeah. It is hot on the heels. Absolutely. Guys, go to our Facebook. Check out our whole April calendar is out now. You can see it on Facebook and on Twitter, our social media. We've we've pushed out the, the calendar for April. There's some, some goodies on there. So. April is arguably it's a loaded month the best month we're going to be putting out that we've ever done it is so loaded it's ridiculous it's gonna be a lot of fun uh give us a rate review subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on if you if you're liking what you're hearing a review does a lot for us to get in front of new eyes so new ears yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah. You can listen to us too, I guess. Right. Not just stare at the the, the wavy line exactly. as you. <laughs> if you're watching our podcast, you're doing it wrong, or just very right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for hanging out for this whole thing. This and, is a long and one. Tell your friends. Yeah. To listen to the K podcast. Please. We know this is a long one. We appreciate you guys sticking with us for this one. This... <laughs> oh, we watched it. We saw four hours. We went. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's going to be a long one. Like and follow us on our social media. Uh, we're at Kate Podcasters on all of the different social media platforms. Join us on Patreon. We're doing not so super movies all the time, every month, doing a great movie that we pick out because we want to talk about it, which means we're breaking super stuff scores left and right. Left and right. And, you know, not to say anything that's completely wild, but there might be some surprise drops. Surprise. Coming in the future. Oh, boy. Because me and Brian have gotten tired of waiting each month. There are some other movies we want to talk about. Might be some surprises. Our lists have gotten too long to have to wait every other month to pick a movie. Right. So we'll see what happens there. So stay tuned. Only on Patreon. We also have our, our Wednesday episodes where we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
uh, after every episode until the season's over. So and then we start Loki, <laughs> and then not until June or yeah, July. We got a right? little time. Yeah, we got a breather. Yeah, we do. Whew. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to KatePodcasters at gmail dot com. You got anything else? That's it. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks Thank for hanging you out so for much this for one. hanging out for this one. We know it was long. <laughs> we appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best. And I guess we're going to see you next week for Thor Ragnarok. Finally. Same pod time. Same pod Jesus crisis. Thank you.